minus one Winston Peters. Yes, yes, Winston Peters. Good morning. We have a little bit of a trouble there. To, got, do, you do have to turn the microphone on. And these microphones, they're ones that have a special sort of power. I think a 48 volts gets powered into them. And if you don't turn that on, nothing happens. Anyway, good morning. Welcome to the breakfast program here, the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. Coming up to eight minutes past, yes, seven minutes past five. And uh, we've got a program take should take us up to around about seven o'clock. And also Met Service, their number one uh, forecast is down, but we've got the uh, the backup met service number two and uh, so let's have a look at that short forecast it's valid till midnight tuesday the 7th of november that is today uh, for northland auckland coromandel mainly fine weather however isolated showers possibly heavy in the afternoon for waikato to Manawatu, including the bay of plenty in the central high country also for gisborne to hawke's bay scattered showers today more frequent and heavy from the afternoon with a few thunderstorms likely as well for you've also got showers turning to heavy rain about gisborne and northern Hawke's Bay in the evening. For Horowanua to Wellington, also for the, the Wairarapa, cloudy periods with showers, it's going to be easing this afternoon for you. For Marlborough, Nelson and Bullock, scattered showers mainly in the afternoon and evening with some heavy and there could be thunderstorms as well in Buller and Westland, um, yes, Western Nelson. For Canterbury, a beautiful day today, fine spells for you kind folk. Kind? Yes, but not the sort of kind, not the Jacinta sort of kind. Westland, Otago, Southland and Fiordland, fine, apart from isolated showers in the afternoon and evening. And for the Chatham Islands, just periods of rain for you. Let's look at the outlook for the following three days. On Wednesday, tomorrow for the North Island, showers in the east. Heavy in Gisborne early, easing in the afternoon, fine spells elsewhere with isolated showers clearing for most in the evening. For the South Island on Wednesday, mostly fine, apart from isolated showers, mainly about the ranges in the far south. South. Thursday in the North Island, mostly fine with isolated showers, mainly during the afternoon and evening. In the South Island, mostly fine with scattered showers, mainly about the ranges. Well, what about Friday? How's that going to go? Well, the day you have your fry up your chips, which is a Friday, isn't it? Yes, that's the day. That's a fish and chip day for us here in New Zealand. North Island, a few showers in the east, clearing later. Mainly fine elsewhere, but isolated showers are possible about Waikato. Uh, for the South Island on Friday, fine, and with a few... Sh- that's fine in the south, I should say, but you've got long, fine spells elsewhere. Isolated showers mainly during the afternoon. Chatham Islands, your long-range forecast, morning rain, and then you've got a few showers on Wednesday. Uh, you've got a few showers on Thursday and Friday. Strong southerlies, that's what's in store for you. I'll be back in a moment. We'll go to Radio New Zealand and see what they're going to dish up for us today at 10 past five. The key to success is what is called future orientation. That means top people, top 10% of people, think about the future most of the time. They think about the future most of the time, and they practice a concept used by top people called idealization. They idealize They imagine they have no limitations, and they imagine you could wave a magic wand and make your future perfect in every way. Your income, your career, your work, your relationships, and your family, your health, your financial situation. If it was perfect, what would it look like five years from now? And then, what is the first thing you could do, the first step right now, to make your future life perfect in every way? And whatever it is, just take the first step. The first step is always the hardest step because it forces you to break out of your comfort zone. And the comfort zone is so strong that probably 90% of people are held back from their full potential all their lives. 
Uh, well, I'll say, gosh, that wise word. I can't even get the words out this morning. I haven't had my coffee. I'll have one a bit later on once we get uh, get underway. Uh, running a bit late this morning. Never mind. Um, up all night with the. <laughs> I <laughs> couldn't sleep. Oh dear, dear. never mind. Uh, now, what have we got happening this morning? We're over at Radio New Zealand and, um, oh, that was Brian Tracy, by the way, not him probably, but his organisation. I, I think it's good to start off with something positive in the day, don't you, instead of me. <laughs> anyway, I'm not so positive. I try to be, but I'm not. I'm not. I've just been driven into the ground over the last three years. But people are sick to death of hearing about, you know, the, the, um, the COV well, we can't say it because I'm going out on YouTube and they'll give me another strike. I'm three strikes and you're out and I'm already up to two. Um, and also Facebook, they're not very um, not very nice either. Not very nice people. Censoring us from speaking freely. But um, anyway, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, can't remember. It can't have been important. Oh, yeah, people are sick of it. I spoke to a bloke yesterday. People are sick to death. They're up to the back teeth. They don't want to hear any more about all this negative stuff about the last three years, how the government drove us into the ground with their um, uh, wanting us to take this um, medical procedure that none of us really wanted to take. I mean, you had a few half-wits, you know, the mask-wearing ones. You know, there's still people wearing masks in the supermarkets. I just can't believe it. Don't they read? There's a thing called the po- Cochrane Report came out, and they actually said that masks don't work. In fact, what they were going to do prior Prior to the um, the pandemic, they were going to uh, stop masks in theatres. They actually cut them out altogether because they actually f- found that it caused more bacteria. Uh, yes, more bacteria. Actually, I'll just tighten up that arm on that microphone. It's moving up and down. Um, yes, more bacteria in the theatre, and you can't have that. And the, old, the, old, the idea is to just to st- stop the dribble going into the wounds, I suppose, in the theatre, but they actually found that it caused more b- bacteria, more um, microbes getting into the wounds. Now, there's been an analysis done. The foreign affairs puzzle facing New Zealand's new government uh, and the person that's done this is Geoffrey Miller so you can whip over to RNZ and read it it's a big long analysis uh, so basically New Zealand's new government will need to hit the road running on foreign affairs and they've got the right man I suppose they've got old um, Winnie the Pooh he's there, uh, he will um, he seems to be seems to know what he's doing with foreign affairs so he'll be the man I would think uh, now moving on here with Radio New Zealand and the boys love it apparently this is school boys, Palmerston North School teaching students practical trade skills a Manawatu school is giving students practical help for a move into the trades after school and it doesn't involve being stuck in a classroom well, of course not after school so they're actually giving you know, buildings building that sort of thing I think it's great doing that um, absolutely brilliant Ian Foster's family confronted by a man with a knife at the RWC. This is according to a report. The family members of outgoing all-black coach Ian Foster were reportedly confronted by a man with a knife in Paris, probably some Muslim terrorist. Are we allowed to say that on YouTube? (laughs) Probably. Um, Hopefully. We'll soon find out if if I'm not going out on YouTube anymore. Anyway, uh, the knife wielder was a... Definitely, he'll be a Muslim terrorist. There's cell groups all over. Gosh, we've got quite a swag of them here. We've got 4.9 million... And I think oh, I, I had the figures. I've got the figures. Actually, I'll tell you now what they are. We'll go over and have a look at Islam. And I'll just whip down to the figures here for New Zealand, just to give you some idea of just how many of these um, radicals we bring into the country. We've got 4.9 million uh, population, just over 4.93.8. And um, so 4.4 4, 903,800 people in the whole country at the moment. 
I th- I'm not sure when this was done, probably a year or so ago. And there, and what, where are we, New Zealand? We have 41,000 Muslims in here. So, you know, there could be some terrorists. <laughs> you can guarantee it. There'll be some terrorists in there just waiting, waiting, ready to go. But honestly, you wouldn't believe how many Muslims there are in the country. It's just unbelievable. Places like Pakistan, you know, they've got, they make up about 96, 97% of them are Muslims. Uh, so it's a, it's a bit of a worry, I would think. They are the fastest growing religion in the world with almost two billion adherents. That's with the two. There's the Shiite, she, uh, what are they called? The, the Shiite, and then there's the, uh, oh, there's another one there. I can't remember. One of, the, the, one of them is sort of, there's more of them than the other. But um, I don't know. I wouldn't trust any of them as far as I could chuck them. And I think it was a huge mistake for our country to allow mass immigration of Muslims into our country. Bad enough having Roman Catholics coming in. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. It's true. If you knew what I knew, you'd know why. They're behind every war in the world at the moment. They call it Christianity. You know, they say all the wars are caused by Christianity. Absolute rubbish. Um, all the religion, they normally say, all the wars are caused by re- religion. That's actually not true. The wars are caused by ideology. Actually, socialism has, is responsible for um, most of the deaths in the world. Socialism and communism uh, would be sort of ahead by a country mile. Yeah, they're called the Shia. And then the other one is, um, I don't know what they are, Shia. And then there's the Sunni. That's right. That, those are the two. Uh, stay clear of all of them if you ask me and they're recruiting, busy recruiting people in the jails as well, a lot of Muslims end up in jail, they're crime and Roman Catholics too, they end up in jail back in the 80s we did a report um, when I was um, head of, I was treasurer actually of the, um, what was I no not in the 80s but back in the 80s I, I, I actually around about the end of 1990s I was treasurer or was I? No, I was secretary. Secretary of the New Zealand Protestant League. Sort of a, we, we weren't militant, but, you know, we used to go and put stickers on things and, you know, put a big poster over the church, the Roman Catholic church door, you know, with a, a picture of Mary. And then you had Carol Waterler, that was the Pope at the time, uh, bowing down and worshipping her. <laughs> so the old priest, you know, on Sunday morning, we'd have to get out there and scrape it off. And we'd put them up just like billboards, you know. And we did the whole of Auckland. We only do it once. Just did it once, just the once, because I got CCTV cameras. But we, I just drove up there with the old um, car and a mate of mine. He's a, he'd been in the Roman Catholic Church for four, 47 years, old Steve Bolton, and um, and we just plastered. He's dead now, so we can name him <laughs> and uh, and me. And we did that. I wonder if I'll get in, into trouble for that. That was a long time ago, 23 years ago we did that, about that. 20 something years ago and it was great and uh, it was good it showed the it showed that the Roman Catholics are actually worshiping you know the, and the and the Bible all we did was we put a, a, an image of Mary and the Pope worshiping her you know bowing down sort of like giving an adoration and then we had that Bible verse you know thou shalt not bow down and worship images nor bring them into your house Exodus uh, 20 I think isn't it yeah have a look it's one of the Ten Commandments and the Roman Catholic Bible they've taken that one out <laughs> they're clever little Rat bags. Um, now that's Ian Foster, and so yes, Rugby World Cup. So that was a bit of a, a bit of a scare, wasn't it for him? Good grief! Twenty uh, percent. Now we're moving on to lambs and things like that, and farming, and we've got a twenty percent plus drop in the lamb prices. Very hard, hard and fast, and uh, faster than ex- expected, according to people in the know. Lamb prices have dropped to levels not seen for six years taking more than 20% off the poor old sheep farmers. I'll just whip in on that one because that's important to us. That's a major part of our economy. So they've dropped 
to very low levels. Uh, the lamb schedules have fallen in recent weeks, with some companies now offering just $6.50 a kilo, having been $8.30 two seasons ago and $7.20 last year. That's an awful drop. Uh, the drop is being put down to continued soft demand for key markets like China and an influx in Australian lamb flooding the markets. Oh, those blimmin' Aussies. Uh, Manawatu-based uh, Baker agricultural consultant they're called ag group baker ag consultant his name is gary muskus uh, he said the drop was predicted six months ago but it's been much harder and faster than anyone expected normally prices held up to about march when more lambs came onto the market he said the situation is scary especially with the budgeting they're in the poop now large numbers of ewes had twins this season also because they um the the rams were in top condition you know, with all that, probably that rain we had and plenty of sunshine. Uh, anyway, I don't know why they say that, because I thought it was bad. For, too much rain wasn't all that good. Anyway, they had twin lambs, but they're smaller and um, than the single one. Anyway, but he said the flip side with more lambs uh, doing a couple of numbers with a couple of clients. What's he doing here? More lambs don't make up for a drop of price. So 20% drop in income is one, in this one budget uh, in front of, me, he says, so he must be doing as well. Store lambs last year, though, see, they were $110 for a store lamb on average, but now they're going to be less than $90. So I might pop out and buy some lambs and eat them. I'm sick of eating. I've got some, I had some rams here. I've been eating that meat. It's not very nice, really. Ram meat, you know, when you leave the nuts on, they're not. <laughs> I don't know, there's something about eating it, just sort of got that rammy taste. Anyway, so it doesn't look too good. Farmers who read lambs for finishing often had to get out of jail. They had to, rather, they had to get out of jail card if the prices were low because they would start to run fewer stock and they'd sell the surplus grass as silage. But he said this year dairy farmers didn't, didn't need the silage, and so that's a, a bit of, and they can't afford to pay for it anyway. So that's not so good, uh, not very good at all. Um, also on the front page of the Radio New Zealand, the RNZ.co.nz. We've got a, a rare native skink colony discovered by a nine-year-old. <laughs> and what else have we got? So we've got the store lambs. Dunedin teen yesterday, that um, kid, oh gosh, a teenager, he um, bludgeoned his mother to death with a 10-pound dumbbell. He's been sentenced to 10 years minimum parole. And um, not sure how old he is, does it say? He looks like a foreigner. He doesn't look like a kid. He might be a bit of Maori blood in there. I'm not sure. Blood's all the same. I don't know why we say that, Maori blood. That's just rubbish. Because uh, the Bible says that all our blood is the same, but God has given us different boundaries in which we are to live in, but we don't do that anymore. The bounds of the earth. Hmm. So he used a 10-kilogram dumbbell. He's been sentenced to life in prison with a minimum. That's right, 10 years minimum. His name is Jordan Taylor. He attacked his mother, Anita Taylor, on January 14th after celebrating his 18th birthday drinking with her and a friend the evening before he then placed a towel on the stove top and turned it on before packing a bag and walking four kilometers to a stranger's house to call the police good grief what was he trying to do burn the place down he pleaded guilty to her murder earlier this year and was sentenced in the Dunedin high court in october with the details suppressed until monday Yesterday, Crown Prosecutor Richard Smith said that the murder involved a high level of brutality and callousness. Yes, yes, you mongrel. Put you away. I, would, I don't think I'd 10 years. You'll be doing hard labour uh, with NZ Loyal if I'm in charge of corrections. Hard labour in the middle of the desert road. You will be living there in tents like uh, Joe Arapaya did in um, Arizona 
10 years, that's the one you want. Uh, owners of flood-damaged Auckland homes have been asked to settle with insurers, so you just get in touch with the, that's according to the Insurance Council, get in touch with them. Auckland homeowners who are eligible for a buyout, they've got to work with the insurer and have to get their claim settled. National and ACT are getting close to a draft agreement, according to Seymour. ACT leader David Seymour says National ACT and New Zealand First are going to have to work together as per the results of the will of the people. Oh, yeah, you're right. You you don't give a toss about the will of the people. You're just following your globalist masters. Uh, Sam Kane, he's to appear before a judiciary committee after the World Cup red card. The fallout from the World Cup final loss continues for all-black captain. Poor guy. Palestinian ambassador wants New Zealand to play a... <laughs> How could we play well, 4.9 million people? We're going to tell them, tell the Israelis what to do. They're not listening to us. They're not listening to the Americans either. They've just got to get in there and do the job. It's like the Battle of Britain. You don't go worrying about, um, uh, you know, the enemies, kids at the moment. I'm sorry. And what we did, what we, I should say, we, the British did, we got all the kids out, didn't we? Got them out, put them on trains and sent them to the north when we knew that there was, they, were, they were bombing bombing in London and southern southern area. We were lucky, very lucky that we were, they were not all speaking German today. Almost lost the UK. And uh, no, those poor old Israelis are going to keep fighting. Keep fighting, mate. That's the answer. Anyway, the, um, the so-called Palestinian, they're just Arabs. Uh, he wants New Zealand to play a leadership role and ask for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. No way, no way. You've got to keep fighting. Uh, Wellington's water woes, oh, they could cost $1 billion. Didn't I talk about that yesterday? They say in the next 10 years it's going to cost $10 billion, but that'll balloon out for the um, Wellington water. Uh, that'll balloon out to $20 billion. You can guarantee it. Horticulture sector sees a strong growth in export markets. The prices of key export commodities have risen for the second consecutive month, driven by dairy and horticulture. If there's any farmers amongst us, nice picture of a nice cow there. Looks like one of those um, uh, jerseys. Lovely, beautiful, gorgeous milk. Beautiful. Uh, the key price export commodities have risen for the second consecutive month, driven by dairy and horticulture. ANZ World Commodity Price Index gained 2.9% in September, with gains for most major sectors, although prices are still nearly 7% lower than a year ago. Dairy and horticulture saw strong increases that helped offset weaker prices for lamb and logs. Uh, softer New Zealand dollar also lifted the local currency returns for producers exporting you see good if the dollar goes down uh, is it oh, I don't know uh, dairy prices rose 5.4% so I was talking to my dairy farmer mate who delivers he does um, uh, what do you call, contracting you know like he operates a digger he's very good actually he makes dirt look good that guy and he also delivers gravel he gave me a truck and trailer load of of metal yesterday for my troughs and driveways and culverts and things I've got to get onto. So we've got, a, and he's a very good driver. Gosh, he's clever the way they come in and they sort of jackknife the truck and then he lets the rest of it off. Lets the, you know, so he lets it go in the trailer first, big pile. Then he jackknifes the trailer, very skillfully done because it was a bit tight for him. And then he um, gets the rest out. And uh, so it's very good. Now the horticulture, they rose, uh, that rose 8.8% in October with strong gains in kiwi fruit. Well, they're not kiwi fruit, they're Chinese gooseberries. This kiwi fruit nonsense. That happened back in the 70s. You know, we pretended it was original, but that came from China anyway. The kiwi fruit export season has now finished considerably earlier than normal. The kiwi fruit crop was considered smaller this season, so picking, packing, and distribution of fruit was achieved within a shorter time frame, according to uh, ANZ, that's the Australia-New Zealand Bank. 
The meat and fibre index fell slightly with stronger returns for beef, but they were not able to offset a fall in lamb prices. That's a real shame about the lamb, but good for me because I'm going to go out and buy some. I'm going to go up to the auction see if I can get myself some lamb. Yeah, I'm getting a bit sick of beef all the time, and I'm sick of eating those old rams. Tired of them. Yeah, and I shot a turkey the other day, and I had that, and I had a rabbit. That was fun as well. 10%. Aluminium and forestry both saw increases. Now, this doesn't make sense. So apparently, they, aluminium and forestry saw an inc- they saw increases, but then it said log prices nearly 10% lower. So how could forestry be up? So they must have made a typo there. Uh, so the demand for shipping services remains slightly subdued, with the Baltic Dry Index down 18% from the previous month. So that's the dairy. There we are. Gave it a good... For all the dairy farmers that are out there milking their cows at the moment. And uh, so should we move to sport or not quite? Oh, we've got this designer too, New Zealand girl. And she's been given a job. E New Zealand cabin crew um, the um, and counter staff. Also, the pilots will soon be sharing a design with the Duchess of Cambridge and Hollywood royalty. London-based fashion designer Amelia Wickstead has beaten more than 40 other New Zealand contenders... New Zealanders, to create the next iteration of the National Carrier's Uniform. Air New Zealand Chief Customer and Sales Officer Leanne Geraghty, she said Wickstead stood out as the perfect partner to create uniforms for more than 5,000 cabin crew, front of house, ground staff and pilots. She said Amelia presented outstanding initial designs that were creative, unique and will set Air New Zealand apart on the global stage. Someone wrote that for her, I reckon. She also demonstrated her understanding of the importance in creating a uniform that is both functional and comfortable for our people. Her ability oh, goes on and on. Just anyway, she's forty. This bird, she doesn't look it. She looks about twenty-eight. Uh, she's she grew up in Auckland before moving to Milan as a teenager with her fashion designer mother Angela Wickstead. After graduating with a degree in fashion design and marketing from Central St. Martins in London, Wickstead moved back to Milan and she worked for designer Giorgio Armani. So she's got what it takes, this one. And uh, even love the way she's dressed here. There's a photograph of her, of her over at Radio New Zealand, rnz.co.nz. You'll find them. She moved back to London. She started her own label in 2008. And since then, Wickstead's ladylike tailoring, tailoring has been seen on everyone from Queen Rainier or Rania, of Jordan, and the Duchess of Cambridge and Sussex, to actor, um, her name is Emma Watson, I quite like her, and, and also Gwyneth Paltrow, and singer Lady Gaga. Ugh. And uh, in September 2019, the then Prime Minister, uh, she wore Amelia Wickstead, gosh, I wouldn't let her wear it if I was her. I suppose you've got to not piss people off. No, <laughs> someone like me, I wouldn't do very well in this kind of business. I would. I just have to tell the truth. I couldn't. I couldn't tell fibs like that and pretend everyone's wonderful. Wickstead, she uh, top when she she. What happened? Oh, that's right. Yes. So Amelia Wickstead. So Ardern wore this top when she appeared on the front cover of the British Vogue magazine. I remember that. Everyone thought she was wonderful, except us. Um, and also dresses from her current collection. You know, they start at $1,634.57, Kiwi, Pacific Pesos. What's that? It's just under £800 in UK uh, pounds, shillings and pence. Wickstead, who she lives in London with a husband and two children, and she said she couldn't be prouder to get Air New Zealand, she get the, get the Air New Zealand gig. She said, it's a true passion project for me. 
She said her approach to the uniform centres around a deep respect for New Zealand's cultural heritage. Good, she didn't say Aotearoa, the made-up invention, the European-invented term. First and foremost, it's inspired by people, she said. I'm a big believer that clothing can be transformative, uplifting and empowering. Oh, absolutely, that's why I dress so well when I'm behind the microphone. (laughs) Wickstead's final designs will be revealed late 2024 following design refinements onboard trials and consultation with uniform wearers. Isn't that great? That's good. That she got well she someone has to get it, but they got the best, didn't they? The best that we can produce. Intellectual property is at risk as staff use AI unchecked, according to e commerce integration expert. So you know that one that's called something chat um chat GPT or something. Businesses are being warned to about their intellectual property is that it's at risk because staff are allowed to use artificial intelligence without proper checks. Earlier this year, global tech giant Samsung reportedly banned staff from using generative AI tools after an accidental leak of confidential source code by an engineer who used ChatGPT. Mark Presnell of e-commerce integration firm Convergence said submitting queries like platforms like GPT, which is the ChatGPT, would put them into the public domain. He said companies needed to ensure staff were aware of the risk. And then it says here companies needed to identify uh, what was or was not sensitive and um, whether it had any intellectual property or not. The people needed to understand that the tools such as ChatGPT or other AI platforms were open. Oh, that's not so good, is it? So that's Presnell there. So watch out for that if you're in business. And that looks like I've just about covered everything. Um, We've done the water, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, The election deadline is today. The applications for that is the uh, tomorrow, actually. Political parties and candidates have until the end of Wednesday, the 8th of tomorrow. Hang on. They've put October. Wednesday, 8th of October. What are they talking about? When was this one written? 6th of November? Yesterday? I think they've made a typo there. So it's going to be the 8th. It'll be November to apply for a vote recount, surely because we didn't start voting until the 14th. I think special votes came in on the 4th, didn't they? Anyway, so this is according to the Electoral Commission. The final uh, electoral election results show that there were tight margins in some electorates. Chief Electoral Officer Carl DeQuesney, is it? DeQuesney. Carl DeQuesney. He told Morning Report on Monday, on Monday morning, that the stage... At this stage, no one had applied for a recount. Any recount requests have to be lodged and logged with the district court. And uh, so it can take three weeks to four days to get a recount done. He said, and he's going on about here, you know, like it t- takes a long time to get through it all, he says here. And I think that they're pushing for Smartmatic machines. They want to do it quicker that way. And that will be t- that will be the worst thing that could ever happen. I actually reckon there's election rigging and stuff going on anyway that we're not aware of. But there was only 600,000 extra special votes. That's nothing. It's only 4.9 million of us and heaps not that many people vote, really. How many people vote? A couple of million? I don't you know, they work kids. You've got to remember, kids can't vote. I don't think anyone should be allowed to vote until they're 25 and they have to sit some kind of... Um, a civics test as well before they, you know, before they're allowed to vote because there's too many stupid people voting. I mean, I don't even, <laughs> I don't know enough, and I don't know enough about the candidates too. I want to know everything about them. I want to know what their religion is because if you know what their religion is, then you know how they're going to go on key key things like abortion and that sort of thing. 
and uh, but oh, they flip flop all over the place. They just but basically what they do is they listen to the polls, they do their they get their little think tanks uh, together, and they say right, what do we got it? What do we have to say? What does it need to be <laughs> to get the votes? And they don't really care about truth and all that sort of thing. It flies out the window. The only party that cared about truth was NZ Loyal, loyal to you and not to them. And only 27,000 of you had the brains and the moral compass to vote the right way. And I was one of them. Please to, please to be, even though, even though I knew that, it, you know, the people were saying, oh, you're actually taking away votes from, you know, you're going to give Labour a vote. Well, that's just too bad. You've got to vote with your heart. You've got to vote for the right people. And this is why we're in the poop, because too many of us do all this sort of like strategic voting. We vote for people we don't really want or like. We've got Christians out there voting for people like Winston Peters, you know, who was actually instrumental in the abortion jolly bill. And I've got something on that here. Um, Let me find it for you. Um, Where is it? Uh, Yes, I do. Abortion. I'm sure I do have one on that. Yes, I've got Sam Edwards. This is a bit long, but we'll have a listen to it now, and then when we come back, we'll look at some of the other publications. Have a listen. This is Winnie. This is Winnie the Pooh. Winston Peters, you mongrel. Listen to this. You, you, you know, you are in big trouble, you are, and you're, you're in big trouble with the Lord. You better repent of your sins and get right before the return of the Lord, which is not going to be far away, uh, judging on what's going on in the Middle East at the moment. Wars and rumors of wars. Wars had some earthquakes in big and in different places all over off the fault lines. Getting those now. Oh, it's happening. We've got all sorts of false cults like Brian Tamaki out there pretending he's someone special when he's not. What does he say he is? He says he's um an apostle. Absolute rubbish. The only people that can call themselves apostles have to have seen Jesus Christ in the flesh or seen him. Paul was the only one out of season that saw Christ after his death and resurrection. The apostle Paul, who is the apostle to the Gentiles. We are to follow Paul. We're not to follow anyone else. We're not even to follow Christ. The Bible says, follow me, Paul says, as I follow Christ. So we are following the Pauline doctrine. That is correct in this dispensation. Dispensation is a Bible word. I didn't make it up. Let's now talk about the infamous abortion bill of 2020 and the act that saw changes come to pass that saddled New Zealand with the world's most extreme abortion laws. Laws that coincidentally came into effect the night before our very first lockdown, March 25th, 2020. Winston had carefully targeted the values in pro-life vote over a long period of time leading up to the 2017 election. This included speaking at Family First's high-profile forum on the family event, where he stated that he opposed the decriminalising of abortion, and where he even admitted that life begins at conception. When, do, when do, for you personally, when do you think life begins? When does a child, unborn child have a right to life? At what point in their life? Well, you're speaking biologically, life begins from the very start. Conception. Yeah. Peters consistently brandished his pro-life credentials with 100% pro-life on abortion ratings in a number of leader questionnaires on pro-life issues. The results of those questionnaires were circulated in the Value Your Vote guides to tens of thousands of households across New Zealand and positioned his party as the one to elect for this part of the voting public. This was also a position reinforced by his MP Tracy Martin, who represented New Zealand First on stage at the 2017 Forum on the Family election event, where she confirmed the party supported keeping abortion in the Crimes Act and not decriminalising it. 
This, uh, you would have heard just in our discussion, there's a very strong push to decriminalise abortion. It's not mm. a legal issue, mm. it's a health issue. Where does New Zealand first stand um, on that? For me, it has to stay in the Crimes Act because to do it in any other way than what is dictated is a crime. However, soon after, once Winston was elected into Parliament and for his next three years in office, he delivered an extraordinarily different follow-through to what his pro-life supporters had trusted he would. In 2018, Right to Life UK published this video explaining that the New Zealand Parliament was set to debate a new abortion bill which would permit abortion up to full term. National MP Chris Pink says <coughs> the changes mean you are, quote, liberalising abortion right up to birth. Is he right? No, that, that's an absurd sort of statement that gets made by the, the fanatic anti-abortion people. If, hypothetically speaking, a woman was to go to her doctor after 22 weeks with no medical complications and say, I don't want to have this baby, I want to have an abortion, and the doctor agrees, is there anything to stop that from happening? Well, the, the health professional carrying out the abortion will have an ob obligation to be satisfied that the abortion is appropriate given mm. uh, the woman's uh, physical and mental health as well as her well-being. Part 1, Clause 7 of the New Zealand government's abortion legislation bill outlines that abortion would be available from between 20 weeks and birth on well-being grounds. It will only be up to a single doctor or nurse to decide what well-being includes. In practice, this will allow for abortion for any reason right through to birth. If this bill like passes, being done with New the Zealand will have the most extreme around abortion the same time, legislation the crimes in the world. Act was being targeted for change and the health community and our medical professionals were again being completely sidestepped by doing so. It was confirmed that Winston Peters gave his express approval for the Crimes Act to be changed to essentially allow the success of this exceedingly merciless bill, as had been done for the end-of-life choice bill, with his guidance and assistance. Against his explicit promises, he then gave his explicit approval for abortion to indeed be decriminalised. Even the secular publication of Scoop Politics New Zealand deemed Winston's actions as a failure by New Zealand First to protect our unborn children in a mortifying betrayal of their campaign promises. There you are. All you Christians that voted for Winston Peters, shame on you. There, So you know now, don't you? You know you voted for someone that actually was uh, encouraging abortion, and yet he pretended that he wasn't, but he was. Uh, OK, so that's Winnie there. I just thought I'd drop that in. Why don't we go back to Radio New Zealand and uh, Radio New Zealand News, these people here, Radio New Zealand. They're quite good, uh, quite good. They're just, they're just too much propaganda, though. That's the only trouble. But there are some good things here. Now, you've, uh, if you've got a bus, if you're getting around on the bus... <laughs> I don't know. I'd hate to go around on the bus. I couldn't imagine anything worse than being reliant on someone else. Thousands of Auckland bus cards are reaching their expiry date. Those are those old ones. People travelling on Auckland's public transport are about to find their electronic payment. That's the HOP cards, the HOP cards, have run out. They've run out of gas. <laughs> and some may have no warning whatsoever. The prepaid cards allow commuters to take advantage of cheap affairs with a cashless ticketing system. I hate cashless. Oh because we know the Antichrist is going to use that because we know when we read Revelations 13 it says he causes all both small and great rich and poor free and bond to receive a mark in King James in not on in their right hand and in their forehead and if they don't have the mark they can't buy or sell. So that's why it has to be cashless, because we're heading that way. Uh, when the Bible says something, it always comes true, doesn't it? Getting back to this one, Auckland Transport Safety Manager Stacey Vanderputten, she said on Checkpoint last night that customers would not know that their cards were about to expire. 90% of the customers with these cards are registered, so they would have 
had communication from the customs service, so it's the ones that aren't registered. See, they're not going to know when they're going to expire. 10%, they thought, wouldn't know. She said about 4,700 people may not know in a total of about 111,000 cards that are going to expire in, within the next two years. So you can ring a phone number there, Auckland 366 and you can ring up and find out and register yourself, I suppose. But I don't like giving anyone information. It's none of their business. I don't like... Don't like when people say, "What's your name?" I say, "Well, you'd need to demonstrate your right to that information." <laughs> this is after they've already said to me, "Kiora," and I say, "Rosella." Back to you. Um, but there was another trap for those unaware. Anyone who needed a new card and wanted to transfer their existing balance to the card online would have forty-eight hour wait. So you wouldn't have to ring the boss and say, "I can't come in for two days," or you'd have to work walk four hours. To work. Get up early, you lazy sods. Um, it was a delay many public transport users have been vocal about. Um, anyway, so what does it say here? The expiry date for the cards was necessary because of the practical life of the cards. Yeah, they don't last that long, three to four years, and they sort of, that's, you know, they bend or break. And that's why um, the Antichrist, when he arrives, <laughs> he's going to make sure that everyone has a little thing in, in, in their skin, in their right hand or in their forehead, so they can't lose their cards, you know, because they wear out, don't they? But these chips or whatever they're going to put in, they'll probably have some sort of a medical procedure as well that's going to give you something. Just have to be. I just have to watch my language because we are going out on YouTube, and I, I don't know. Probably, I chop me off. I don't care. Anyway, so and so that's that one there. The ability to pay for public transport and pay waiver expected to be available in Auckland next year. Oh, that's so. You better just do that with your um your phone, and then of course you lose your phone. So no, the chip in the arm is the answer. Chip in the hand. That's the answer. And everyone that gets that, they come out with a noisome sore. So it's obviously more than just a chip because we've had chips and dogs for a long, long time. You know, all your dogs, except for farm dogs, they don't have to be chipped. They've got to be registered but not chipped. But every other dog has to have a chip in it. And so they always practice on the animals because the Antichrist, he sees you as an animal anyway. The devil actually sees you as just, uh, you know, human cattle <laughs> that he can use. That's why, that's why this whole thing's heading down that way with the elites. They, they just think you, you're just scumbag and they're the elites and you're just going to work for them. And they give you, medicate you so that you don't live much past retirement once you, <laughs> then you die. And you're sick all the way through and they've got shares in the, in the pharmaceutical company. So they're getting rich and, you know, and you're paying for it. You're paying for your own demise and your own sicknesses. And they just get rich on the shares. They're the, they're the um, what do you call it, the something holders, the stakeholders. Yeah, so that looks like that is just about, I've just about done it to death. I don't think there's anything new. I'll do a quick refresh on it, and but we'll come back to that a little bit later. Later, uh, and uh, so next we'll move over to um, News Hub and we'll have a look and see what they've got on offer. Men have difficulty with women who are completely out of control. But I mean, what is we an out-of-control woman? What is this creature? How do we know when we met one? Well, I'm sure that you've met women in your life that acted towards you in a bullying and detestable manner. It's very difficult for women to cope with that because they don't have any real recourse. And female bullying can be unbelievably vicious. It takes the shape of reputation destruction, innuendo and gossip. So because people look at aggressive and antisocial behavior in women and in men, and in women it tends to take the expression of innuendo, gossip and reputation destruction, and in men, it take, tends to take the form of outright physical aggression. There's a whole literature on that. This has been known for 30 years. I mean, look, women have to express aggression somehow unless you're willing to say that they're not aggressive. They tend not to do it physically. Not to the degree men do, so they use other channels. And what that. other channels are there other than physical aggression if you're going to be aggressive? 
Well, you go after people verbally. You go after them with innuendo and gossip and reputation destruction. Jordan Peterson there. It's 14 minutes to six here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with your host, me, Grant Edwards, all the way through till seven o'clock this morning. And we're over at newshub.co.nz and it's offensive. Schwarbrooks, I always have trouble pronouncing her name, Schwarbrooks incendiary incendiary chants at the pro-Palestinian rally. All these leftist kids, you know, they're all into the, you know, they're all pro-Palestinian, so-called Palestinian, aren't they? It's just, they're just, a, because, you know, leftism is a demonic thing anyway. You know, socialism, it's all anti-God, anti-family, anti-father, get the fathers out of the house, that sort of thing. Anyway, she was furious at Saturday, this is Schwarbrook, and this is the green woman, isn't it? If you, child, child woman, taking to the stage at a pro-Palestinian uh, what was it? A, a rally after Labour MP Phil Typhoid. He was shouted down. He was shouted off the stage, and he had to be escorted out by police. It's well, he's, at least he got an escort. Posey Parker didn't get one back in March, did she? At uh, um, what was it now? Albert Park, where they just about killed her, and they did that on purpose. The police stood down on purpose. The bastards. Oh, shocking! Shocking. There needs to be investigation done on that. And when New Zealand law gets in in 2026. Good grief, we'll, get, we'll actually dismantle the police, we'll get rid of the whole lot and we'll have a new constabulary because they're not, they've just become enforcers for a leftist government. And they're not, they're probably, I don't know what's going to happen, whether, the, whether this government will get rid of them, but we know that the people that really run the show are the, are the bureaucrats anyway. Now it sounds not, it's actually, they're actually deep state. Oh gosh, I've got water boiling, I'll be back in a minute. We're, anyway, we've got the Jewish council, um, the spokesperson, Juliet Moses, she is um, a pretty upset uh, with her remarks, she was calling. She was actually saying what the Palestinian state, you know, the, and Hamas, um, their, their charter is to destroy all the the Jews in the whole world. Actually, what they want, and she, and this is Schwarbrook. She quoted this saying that the uh, the Arab Muslim terrorists actually quote, and that is from the river to the Jordan. That from the river Jordan to the Mediterranean Sea. Are you sure it's Jordan? I think it's Euphrates, <laughs> because that is actually the boundary that God has given the Israelis from the river Euphrates all the way to the Mediterranean. But they've said from the river to the, to the sea, and that is uh, return the land uh, is now to Israel. What does it say? Return to the land that is now Israel. Oh, I don't know if they say that. They want to get rid of all the Jews. They want to murder them all. You know, if the I said this yesterday, but it's absolutely true. And I think it was that guy, Dennis Prager, he said it. He said it before me. Um, he said, if the Israelis, if the, if the Arabs, which are Palestinians, you know, pretending to be, they're basically just Arabs. Um, he said, if they laid down their weapons today, there'd be peace in the whole Middle East tomorrow. But if the Israelis, if, they lay, if the Jews laid down their weapons today, they'd be killed in their beds overnight. There wouldn't be a Jew left. So that's why they've got it. They're fighting for their very existence and yes, if you want to make an omelette, eggs have to be broken. And yes, but they're making it up. There's so much propaganda coming out of the so-called palace, palace. What do you call it? The the Gazan Strip. So much propaganda because you're listening to Hollywood actors, Arab Hollywood actors. It's called Pallywood. So it's a Palestinian Hollywood, and they they make up all sorts of stories just to make the Israelis look bad in the world. You know, as far as the world goes, and so the whole world's against them. And it's just what the Bible said it would be. They'll hate you. You'll be, a, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be a byword. And so they, they hate you because they belong to God. And the devil knows that they are the Lord's chosen people. They certainly are. And we, as Christians, are lucky enough to be grafted into that vine, that olive, olive um, vine, the olive tree. Isn't it wonderful that we're able to do that? You're so, you know, you're so blessed. People don't realize how lucky they are. 
how lucky they are. Luck, chance. Yes, there is. There is actually a biblical. A biblical. Um, there is such a thing as chance. People go on and say, "Oh, there's no such thing as luck." But um, the Bible does talk about that. Anyway, Schwarbuck, she's um, terrible. Her boss, Marimba Davidson, who was also on the on there on Saturday, she wouldn't do anything. She's 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 with it. She's a nutbag, anyway, isn't she? Gosh, she's crazy. What what does she say now at um, Posey Parker there? That oh, that's right, white cis men. Oh, they're all just mental cases, and that most of them are suffering from some kind of a mental disorder as well. Like that other one, Kiri Kiri Allen, who smashed a car into a parked car. Her electric car that we pay for uh, smashed it in. She was high on flipping alcohol, and she'd be on psychiatric drugs. And I know that because she said she suffered from mental health most of her adult life. What the heck are you doing in our parliament? Why are we paying for you, some mental patient, to be running our parliament? I think all the mental patients should be actually told to resign. Uh, they're not allowed to. It, there is, it's just too important than to have mental patients, people that are mentally unstable, in our parliament. They should none of them, and that includes uh, Jacinda Ardern, because she's suffered from mental illness most of her adult life as well. What is it with these leftist women? They're so unstable. I mean, women are unstable at the best of times, aren't they? Gosh, grief. There we are. Just lost a few listeners. Ah, too bad. Anyway, um, now we're we're over in News Hub. I've got water boiling, so I'll be back in just a minute. Yes, I'd, I luckily I haven't got a whistle. I took the whistle off it. So I'll be back in a moment. Here's, um, we're talking about Larry Fink. He's the one that controls. He he controls eighty. This is some um, Black Black Rock. He controls eighty eight percent of the America's CEOs. They do what they're told. They're on multi million dollar incomes every year, and they just basically do what they're told. Some of them get something like twenty twenty million dollars a year. So these CEOs. So it's all about money. That's what the devil does. He he uses money. To, um, to get people for the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. Jesus said that. Yes, he did. And when he says some things, you know, you've got to sit up and take notice. Some people don't even believe he even existed. They just think it's sort of made up. They think the Bible is written by men. It's Chinese whispers. Oh, no, we can prove the Bible's true. It's got ele- elements in it. It has elements to convince you that it is actually a divine revelation. You know, thinking people, never mind lunatics, but um, the Bible possesses the necessary elements that someone who's a thinking human being will th- look at that and say, we, you, this is a book we have to take serious. And one of them is the supernatural element. And the supernatural element, I'll explain it to you one day. I might do it today. We'll see how we go. I'm just going to stop my water from boiling because I'll run out of LPG. Are they going to keep the LPG going? I don't know. Anyway, seven minutes to six, we'll have TNT Radio News at six, and I'll be back in a jiffy. Elon is vocal. Elon can stand up. Elon's not the guy that can be bullied. But some of these other guys that don't have 150 million followers and they don't own a company called Twitter, they may be billionaires. They may be 50 million auto guys, CEOs. But they got to sit there and say, babe, if you say something, you're going to lose your $26 million a year salary. Just do what Larry tells you to do. Imagine if you had control of 88% of CEOs of S&P 500 companies. What kind of influence do you have? So, so to me, as a person, when I asked you earlier, what are your top five things you would want somebody to run on? I think somebody's got to figure out a way to break those companies apart. Do you think that's possible? Do you think they would ever allow that to happen? I, I do think it's possible. But I also think it's possible that that person who does it is risking a lot of things. 
Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, that's that um, valuetainment guy, isn't he? I quite like him, Bit David. He's an Arab, but gosh, he's he's over in the states. He's doing very well for himself. Now we're over at News Hub, and we're looking at what's on the front page. We had that of Swarbrick's incendiary chant at the pro-Palestinian rally. How stupid is that? You know, just nutty. Just they're just nutty people. They're mentally un- unstable. Shouldn't be anywhere near our parliament, like I said. Um, particularly brutal. The Dunedin teen who killed his mum with a dumbbell was jailed for life. It's not life. It's 10 years. He'll be out in five on a a minimum parole of 10, they said. Uh, Just crazy stuff. 18-year-old did that. Uh, Was he 18 at the time? I don't know. Probably would have been 18 at the time, wouldn't he? Because otherwise they won't let you uh, go. You just basically get off scot-free, just go and go to some foster home or something. And uh, we're looking at election now here and the no coalition document near agreement no coalition document near agreement, final deal still a way away, according to a News Hub report there. They've been digging around and talking to Winston Peters and Seymour and Luxon, the three musketeers. And uh, Auckland, major changes coming with Auckland Public Transport this month. I didn't know that. We'll come back and look at that. Just remind me to come back and look at it. If you've got anything you want to tell me about or text me, why don't you do that? You can do it on 21 0217234232. We get them there, and then I forget to read them out. Never mind. Hundreds of teeth pulled from living people discovered during Invercargill building demolition. <laughs> Yuck. And Simon Bridges, he thinks there's still a chance for a two-party government. Really? How could that be? Why? How could there be a two-party? Should we have a listen to that? We'll have a listen and see. Why have we got a picture of um, Mick Jagger and a partner... Melanie Hamrick here. They got the wrong video up. I think they must have. Let's have a listen. Here we go. Welcome back to AM. Great to have you with us on this Monday morning, just gone quarter past oh, this eight. Monday. And it is time for our panel of the day. Nano girl Michelle Dickinson is here and Auckland Business Chamber CEO Simon Bridges. Good morning. Well, Good morning. You. Good to have you here. Um, let's start with the coalition talks. They are progressing, sort of. We had David Seymour and Chris Luxon on this morning. Noticeably absent was Winston Peters, who seems to be absent from, well, most meetings thus far. Yeah, I, I try not to listen to politicians. I think you'd have a more informed view if you do that. Um, I think there's probably a couple of things that marketplace, if I can call it that, are not factoring. And I, I think, look, the most likely is we get a three-party government. I do think, though, there's a considerable chance, even if it's sort of a minority one, if I could put it that way, that we get two-party government. Um, and the reasons for that are quite clear from those smaller parties. Like, if you're at, you know, if you don't get the real change you want, well, you sit it out. If you're New Zealand first, you're not getting the responsibility you feel you deserve, you, you sit it out. And remember the history of small parties, which is that they get decimated at the election after they've gone into government. So I, I don't know that people are quite factoring it that in. There are valid reasons for minor parties to, to play quite a hard game, if you like. I think mm. the other thing that's true here. I might be proven wrong in three days, but I personally think this is going to take longer. I personally think mm. we're looking yeah. well into next week, yep. potentially the end. Um, and uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the reality of it is, look, it's a complicated thing trying to get three parties together to sing Kumbaya around the fireside mm. at, at, at Cabinet. Not they probably Kumbaya. literally have fires at Cabinet, but, but I think that's, uh, I, I personally think that's likely. 
Okay, I tend to agree after this morning's um, interviews with the leaders here on AM, I'm, I tend to agree with you, it's going to take until the end of next week. They don't even have a date yet for when they will all meet together. And I think that's what is frustrating for the public. We voted, it's done, we just want mm. to get on. As a business owner, I want to know mm. which politician I need to be talking to, what relationships I need to be building. And right now, as a business owner, we're just sitting here going, well, come on, get up. We have to go to work every day. We have to help build the economy. Mm. Help us do that. Just Maybe yeah. the economy goes better in this interregnum period though. Maybe everything's just better. We don't have Winston and Seymour and Luxon and Willis arguing and uh, I'm personally fine with it. <laughs> Limbo just, land. Yeah, I feel like this inserting, uh, uncertainty is liberating. I do think and, and last night on the news you saw Winston doing his thing where he's a showman and he's having a crack at the media and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, do it for a day and then get into that meeting room and make the stuff happen because people will tire of that very, very quickly. I, I think they will, but isn't it true though that like, I just, I, I, you know, I don't mean smarter, Alec, but I, I've been thinking for a while, it's got to take a while and yeah, a it weeks. just is what it is. If you want kind of a, an enduring government, it's better to kind of make the recipe well, I suppose. Yeah. All right, um, let's move on talk about the... Um okay, that's that. And uh, I've just got to turn the volume down now because the um, news hub are just absolutely hopeless. They've got no idea how to... Um, well, I, I guess it, I said it yesterday, they're actually newspaper people, press, the press, you see, they're not used to radio. They've got to get the volume up, guys, like they do in Australia. They seem to know all about volumes. Okay, um, we've got TNT Radio News coming up very shortly. Um, that'll be on us within within one minute. Yes, it will be definitely within a minute. So until then, I'll go and make myself a nice cup of coffee and uh, we'll have TNT Radio News coming up very shortly. Polls are dead silent. You could hear a pin drop because nobody's said so clearly for like 50 years that almost all the meaning that you will need to get you through the hard times of your life is going to be a consequence of adopting responsibility. Not of rights and impulsive action, impulsive freedom. Like, fine, rights, yeah, got it. Freedom, no problem. Even freedom to do impulsive things, fine. But that isn't where you're gonna find the meaning that keeps you sustained through the storms of life. That's gonna be, you take care of yourself, you take care of your intimate partner, you take care of your damn family, you don't run off, you take care of your community. You rescue the wisdom from the past. You stand up straight and you be courageous despite the fact that life is tragic and tainted by malevolence. It's like that's the that's ancient wisdom. That's what that is. Okay, we're almost there. Top of the hour. It's uh, coming up to six o'clock and uh, TNT Radio News is just moments away. I'm just going to wind up my blind so I can look at the beautiful farm and the sun coming up. It's absolutely gorgeous. Okay, we move across to TNT Radio News right now. To hear a replay of this hour, go to episodes at tntradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. President Trump took the witness stand in his civil fraud trial and was questioned about his ownership of the Trump Organization, which was transferred to a trust when he took office as president. He said all he did was give banks what was necessary, and if someone, including accountants, asked for his opinion, he would give it. He spoke to the press before entering the courtroom. Lago's worth $18 million. Lago's worth anywhere from probably 50 to 100 times more than that. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. These are political operatives that I'm going to be dealing with right now. Uh, you have a racist attorney general who made some terrible statements, and you see some more that came over the wires today. And it's a very sad situation. 
situation for our country. We shouldn't have this. This is for third world countries. And it's very unfair. It's very unfair. But in the meantime, the people of the country understand it. They see it. And they don't like it. They don't like it. Because it's uh, political warfare, as you would call it, or political lawfare. Another name. They got a lot of names for it. But usually it takes place in third world countries and banana republics. And nobody's ever seen that to this extent. We've never seen it here. A magnitude 5.2 earthquake struck Nepal on Monday, the European Mediterranean Seismological Center said, followed by another weaker Templar, injuring three people just days after 153 perished in the country's worst quake since 2015. The epicenter of Monday's bigger earthquake was in Ramadanda in Jajarkhat district, the same location as Friday's Templar. CNN forced Senator Bernie Sanders to comment on Democratic Representative Rashida Tlaib accusing President Biden of supporting genocide against Palestinians during an interview Sunday morning. President Obama just said the other day, I think, quite correctly, and we all got to deal with it. This enormously complex issue and slogans like the river to the sea, if, if that means the destruction of Israel, that's not going to work. People who are saying Israel, right or wrong, we're for you all the way. That's not going to work. This is a horrendously complex issue. You've got a right-wing government in Israel, which is racist. And the people, by the way, the good news is, last poll I saw, only 18% of the people of Israel want Netanyahu to stay in office. I hope they get rid of him. I hope they put him in a government which understands the severity of the crisis and can help us move to the two-tier state. Oscar-winning actress Angelina Jolie, who has served as a special envoy for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees for 20 years, has condemned Israel for bombing Gaza. On Wednesday, she posted a statement on Instagram calling for a humanitarian ceasefire, noting that the densely populated Palestinian enclave was becoming a mass grave. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says there are finally some courageous voices stepping forward. It's certainly taking a very long, long time, but finally you're beginning to see some courageous voices, especially from Hollywood, now stepping forward to call out what's clearly massive crimes against humanity being perpetrated by the state of Israel. One of those is Angelina Jolie. She's been a special envoy for the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees for a number of decades, and she was very quiet at first to condemn the actions of the Israeli occupation forces, but now she's come out with some very strong words indeed. And she talks about having civilians trapped in what American military would call a kill box. If you use this term they used in places like Fallujah in Iraq, where massacres were carried out by the U.S. military in their operations. Similarly, Israel is doing the exact same thing here, indiscriminately using their military to kill civilians. And now the evidence is in, and some of the top human rights advocates around the world, including those at the International Criminal Court, are now zeroing in on Israel's war crimes. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. Okay, and it is, uh, you're back with Liberty NZ, and my name is Grant Edwards, and I hope we're coming out nice and clear. Looks like, I think we are. Yes, we are. Good, good as gold. Had a bit of a hiccup there with the with the um, the electronics. Anyway, five minutes past it is at the moment, five past six, and I'll be here with you till seven, Lord willing, if I make it. Let's look at the forecast now, 
shall we? Look at the temperatures first of all. The extremes, Tauranga is the highest temperature right now. It's just gone 6 o'clock, 12.8 degrees there. The lowest place is Methan with can't even reach 1 degree, but not too bad. <laughs> 0.7 degrees there, Methan in the South Island. And the windiest place is Lyle Bay again in Wellington with 50 kilometres of wind. Gosh, they've had a fair old... Uh, blowing of wind, haven't they? A fair old bashing there, lashing, lashing. Uh, better than a tongue lashing, though, I would think, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Now, 50 kilometres per hour, that's around about, oh, what would that be, 50? About, tw- about 20 knots, and they'll be gusting up to 35, I suppose. Um, the wettest place is actually just a little bit further north, actually, an upper hut. And it's, um, yes, upper hut, 0.4 millimetres, just a bit, slight bit of water there, a bit of... Um, uh, precipitation. Now the temperatures have really cooled off actually. Kai Tyre and Whangarei are both on 9 degrees which is quite cold. They're down there. Same temperature with, as Stewart Island and pretty much Dunedin. Uh, so that's interesting isn't it? So looking at the main temperatures now, Stewart Island, Invercargill, Invercargill 3, Dunedin 8. The Chatham Island's a bit warmer there, sort of up to sort of Auckland temperatures, 12 degrees. Uh, and Queenstown has 5 degrees along with France Joseph. Westport's quite warm up on the west coast there of the South Island, 10 degrees, and also Nelson's 10 degrees. Timaru's on 3, a bit chilly there. Christchurch has 4 degrees this morning, and Blenheim's on 8. Uh, 9 in Wellington across the ditch there where all the criminals are going to be, 121 of them are going to be filling into the par- filing into the parliament there. They're just going to be, I think they're having a bit, you know, wonderful time at the moment. They can string out that 100-day promise uh, you know, until that'll take effect, from not from the election, but for when they finally do get to form a government. I think it will happen. I don't know if I do agree with Simon Bridges on that. I think that Winston Peters is going to be the controlling force, as he as he has been. And I, I don't know. It's going to take time. I don't think we'll see much uh, real change. It could actually even go on for a couple of weeks. Uh, that's going to make uh, Luxon very frustrated because he's the CEO boy, just wants to get on. And uh, and you know, so that his globalist masters will be happy with the new changes that he can put in. Um, wh- now we've got Masterton there on ten degrees. Gosh, it's warmer again. John Ansells, you know, if, he, if he's listening, if every see, I always said right through the winter until now, right through the winter, Masterton was always about half the temperature of Wellington, and now it's not. Well, Wellington on nine and Masterton's on ten. Palmerston North at 12 degrees along with New Plymouth and Napier. Tarpo is 10 degrees at the moment. Rotorua a wee bit warmer, 11 degrees for you. Gisborne has 12 degrees. Hamilton's on 12 as well. Tauranga 13. Auckland 12. And Whangarei and Kaitai are both on 9. That's a bit chilly. A bit cold for the, for the Northland at this time of the year. Weather forecast, the short forecast for the country. Valid until midnight Tuesday. And it's a mon- uh, Northland. Northland, what are you up today? Today is Tuesday, yes. Um, Northland to Auckland, also Coromandel, uh, you've got mainly fine weather. However, isolated showers possible with heavy um, showers in the afternoon. For Waikato to Manawatu, including the Bay of Plenty in the central high country. Also for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, scattered showers more frequent with heavy showers from the afternoon and you're going to have thunderstorms quite likely as well. Showers turning to heavy rain about Gisborne and northern Hawke's Bay in the evening. For Horobanua to Wellington and Wairarapa, periods of rain or showers easing from this afternoon. For Marlborough, Nelson and Buller, scattered showers mainly in the afternoon and evening. Some could be heavy and thundery in Buller and western Nelson. Uh, for Canterbury, beautiful day for you today. Fine spells. For Westland, Otago, Southland and Fiordland, fine apart from isolated showers in the afternoon and evening. And finally for the Chatham Islands, periods of rain 
And uh, that's it for you. I'll be back in just one moment and we'll have a look and just finish off on News Hub, see what they've got, propaganda they've got there. Some of it's good, most of it's most of it's all right, but you've always got a bit of rat poison mixed in, haven't you? Otherwise rats wouldn't eat it. And it's the same with news, really. They're just uh, subtly just sort of pushing that leftist, you know, leftist globalist nonsense. Here's Samantha Edwards. You can find uh, her latest documentary film at counterspinmedia.com. And uh, so, and it's called Winston Rides Again. You should have watched this before you voted, you silly, <laughs> you silly fools. I can't believe Christians voted for him. How could you do that? For all those who don't have themselves and their children vaccinated with every vaccine on the official schedule, this is a policy that could accurately be then called a no jab, no income at all policy. Here's Chris Luxon on the Morning Report saying just that. Do you support cutting benefits to solar parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. Why? Um, because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand and civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective. And- Did you hear that? For the collective. Responsibilities for the collective. Collectivism is a very dangerous thing. It's kind of groupthink. To actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. So he's a collectivist. Every tyrant in history was a collectivist. That's what they are. Yep, every tyrant. And we're talking Adolf Hitler. He was a collectivist for the good of the group. So you did things for the good of the Nazi party. Um, Jacinda Ardern, she's a collectivist. It's all for the for the um, the Communist Party. <laughs> you can call it socialism, you like. But they always get in and pretending it's socialism, and once they're in, really, it's basically communism with the head with the lid off. So that's Lux, and we'll just finish off that there, and then we'll come back to some more news. It's twelve past six. Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums? Really, if we're talking about it, should that it's be extended? Should it should it be extended to cutting working for families benefits? It, it, yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. Yeah, so that's your um, your new uh, Prime Minister there, Chris Luxon. He is a collectivist and he believes that uh, unless you get your children fully vaccinated, oh, we're allowed to say that word? It's a good thing to be vaccinated. I'll just say I'll put in a good plug because they'll pick it up, the algorithm will pick it up. Oh, yes, I think it's very important that you have your children vaccinated with a, with a wonderful um, vaccine which will make them healthy for the rest of their life. Um, but, of course, uh, we know that it's a medical procedure that is not a good thing. And uh, in fact, if you want to get the mumps, all you need to do is give them the juice <laughs> and they'll end up getting the mumps. If you want them to get measles, you just make sure they have the, you know, the medical procedure, the little needle with the, you know, thingamajig in the arm, and then they will end up getting measles. <laughs> and if you want to get, you know, the, um, the uh, uh, what, do you, what we call it, we have to change the name, um, we'll call it the Jovid, the Jovid 1-9. Um, if you want that, you just go and get yourself, um, you know, with the medical procedure in the arm, and then you end up getting it. Most of the people in the hospital, <laughs> hospital had it. They had the poison. Oh, dear, oh, dear. And so that's how it works. And us healthy people that didn't, wouldn't go near a needle um, don't believe in them. Actually, if you think about it, it's actually like snake. a snake. The, the guy that invented the needle, the hypodermic le- needle, got the idea off a snake's, um, the, the, um, the snake's tongue. Which is basically just—it's got that pokes that, that what they dig it into your it digs into your skin, doesn't it? And then they just put the venom in, and that's where it came from. So that's why there's a clue: uh, the snake, the serpent, evil—you know, the devil—and uh, you know, injections. And the Bible tells us that um, the pharmaceutical, 
the word pharmacia actually uh, is translated sorcery. So for all you pharmacists out there, you're sorcerers, according to the King James Bible. And you know, that King James Bible, I found it to be perfect to the word level. Absolutely perfect. I've studied it for many, many years. I've even studied Dennis McKinsey, who was, um, he was a, an atheist. I don't know, I think he might be gone now. But um, he'll be sitting there waiting for the um, for the Great White Throne Judgment, and uh, but he wrote a book. He wrote quite a number of books. He's got a PhD, this fellow, and he wrote this book called the Encyclopedia of Biblical Errancy, all the mistakes, and um, and of course there are heaps of mistakes in the new versions. And that, but he also tries to um, find the mistakes in the King James as well and there was about a hundred most of them you could answer pretty easily and um, there was a group of us and this was back at Bible School at the New Zealand Protestant Bible School uh, back when I studied back at the end of the 90s and I was a bit late really studying that late but anyway we did it and uh, there was about a hundred that actually needed some investigation but when you actually went there and looked at those apparent contradictions you know they you found that they weren't provable after all they were an apparent contradiction or an apparent error but in actual fact they weren't you know like he would say things like look one in one gospel uh it says that jesus had a red robe on a sort of a scarlet robe and in the other gospel it said it was purple so there we are there's a contradiction but when you actually a look at it, the robes of the king were scarlet and purple. So one gospel, you know, just by just because he missed out saying, in fact, what it does is, is all the gospel, the gospels together actually give you the full tra- tapestry. And so, yes, that robe that they put on Jesus was scarlet and purple. And uh, you wouldn't know that, would you, unless you read both gospels. Uh, but to say that it was red, you're not you're not saying that it wasn't purple, are you? It is red. It's got red in it. <laughs> just because you didn't say that it had purple as well doesn't mean to say that it's a mistake and so things like that you know all sorts of stuff and you know how many stalls of horses uh that um i don't know was it was it solomon or david had um saw you know and you couldn't actually find a provable error in it oh that's right one of them it said um you've got when you go out you've got to take a, st- a staff and then another one it says don't take staves well, staves is plural for staff. So in other words, you just take the one. <laughs> and they're trying to say that there's an error in the King James Bible, but he couldn't prove it. So old Dennis McKenzie, um, he will be on his way on his way to the Great White Throne Judgment now, unless he's changed his mind at the last minute, which you can do. You can just repent uh, on your deathbed. Very few people do, though. Most old people are so hardened in their ways you know even when you speak absolute common sense to them they just can't they just become so hardened to the gospel whereas children you know they're so beautiful the way god's made them it just they just really they just know that they were made they know that there is a god kids all know it it's in them the light of the world the light of jesus christ he's in everyone he's in their heart but we have it taught out of us and then we just get harder and harder and we just sort of go astray like sheep. We go astray and we each go our own way, as the Bible says. And so that's what happens to us. Now, it's uh, 17 minutes past six and we'll get, we'll get back over to, um, where, we get, where am I going to get back over to? Well, we'll go back over to News Hub. Um, we've had a look at the forecast, haven't we? Did that? Yes. What about international news? Have we looked at that? Um, no. We'll go back to News Hub and then we'll go to to um, international news as well. So we've got public transport, major changes coming to Auckland public transport this month. Now, I I said that I'd come back and have a look at that, so let's do that. We'll read it together, shall we? Auckland Transport is implementing several changes to its services this month, including more frequent buses, 
changes to bus lanes. Oh, yes, so you get your ticket. You'll get a, if you get a ticket if you're driving in it. Oh, I can't stand that. And removing parking. Oh, good on them. Yeah. Most of the changes centre around Karangahaki Road, Newtown, um, and Newtown Road. So um, now I didn't think there was a Newtown Road in Auckland. Karangahaki, we call it. <laughs> Um, Newtown, I think they mean Newton Road, and if it's if it's Auckland, it'll be Newton Road, which is up the top of Queen Upper Queen Street, Newtown Road. That's in Wellington, isn't it? Anyway, AT Auckland Transport Services Network Development Manager Peter Moth, or Pete Moth, as is to his mates, he said, more people travel by bus than any other mode on some road corridors, and the changes reflect that. He said. So what's going to happen? On the 12th of November, the bus lane times will change on Karangahapi Road and there will be no general parking at any time. No. Oh, how do the businesses cope? You halfwits. You know, this is all part of it, getting you out of the out of the walking, you know, get, getting you into walking, getting you used to living in your smart city where you're not allowed to drive your car anymore. We're all heading there. And every council... Every council in the country has signed up for the smart cities and they're just lying through their buck teeth if they say that they're not 19 minutes past six. And so, oh, you know, you've got the the gist of that one, haven't you? There has also be a range of new local routes uh, to connect with motorway services and Westgate. And these, and that's just a nothing. But the big takeaway there is that they, they can take away your parking. So businesses are going to be out of business, aren't they? How do you cope? And then the big, the big, um, you know, the malls with the big, you know, the corporate ones that are all sort of in on the new world order, which is the same pig as the, the new one. It's the World Economic Forum. It's the same old pig. It just got new lipstick on. I like that. And who was it that said that? James Corbyn, I think. <laughs> He's very good. So you want to have a listen. Look him up, James Corbyn. He's brilliant. All right. So that is that one. And I think we've just about gotten them all. Simon Bridges. No coalition document, major changes to Auckland Transport. Hundreds of teeth have been found, they've been pulled out, they've been found in an in a, uh, in a, in Invercargill building that's due for demolition. And uh, so what else have we got? Kiwi frustration at international drought after Pacific Championship stunner. What is that all about? Oh, rugby league. That's the one where you all run at each other and it's the headbangers. Lots of Maoris, they love doing that because they love the physical, you know, it's almost like fighting, isn't it? Just crash into each other. Melbourne Cup Day today. Yeah, that wasn't so good. Um, the field draws odd sweepstake kit for race that stops two nations. It is today, isn't it? It wasn't yesterday. I normally have a sweepstake. I don't know, are we Christians allowed to do that? Now, they, on this side of the ditch, that's New Zealand, the Tasman Ditch, um, we're going to stop pretty much we do, don't we? How many, after all, New Zealand bred horses have won the iconic race 40 times. Most recently, very elegant in 2021, won it, the Melbourne Cup. So who have we got there today? We've got um, quite a few horses. We've got 24 horses are in there. Simply Persuade, number 24, workmates to chip in a couple of bucks. Use our kit to locate horses. You don't do that. We just put it on a piece of paper, chuck it in the hat, and we all put like, I don't know, twenty. $2 coin or something in there for your sweepstake. Some people have some massive ones. Um, let's see what the um, what the races are. What do they what do they say here? Now we've got the the favorite is Gold Trip and uh, that's the, who's the jockey? I'm probably an Aussie. I don't know. James McDonald is here, Kiwi. That's expected to be $7 a win and $2.50 a place. And then you've got Anquare 
Ellen, Ellen Queer, they, who they've got Damien Oliver, $51 for a win, and yet they've got him down as a, a likely. Oh no, oh, no, it's not. That's just the number. So he's not likely to win. Uh, $51 for a win. That'd be good, wouldn't it? And $11 for a place, and so on and so forth. Goes all the way down to the bottom. Number 24. So that's going to kick. When will that kick off? Oh, it's not kicking off. When will that race start? 10.30. You can join News Hub at 10.30 a.m. today. They're going to have live updates from the Melbourne Cup at Flemington. I always like this. about the only one I do have a gamble on. I don't know if Christian should be gambling. I actually got involved with the horse race. I was training training harness horses, and I suppose you are sort of, yes, and I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm out of it now. Probably not the right thing to be doing. So the latest news at News Hub, Palestinian ambassador wants New Zealand to play a lead role to ensure an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. It's not going to happen. Hundreds of teeth, we got that, pulled out of a building that's going to be demolished. <laughs> Bill pulled. <laughs> and Queensgate Shopping Centre, oh, they admit responsibility for the sticky gel on the roof that's been killing the lovely swallows. Oh, I had a little swallow. What I like about swallows, they just break the beautiful little nest. You know, you know, some of the other birds, they get it on the tractor, and that lot of tractors catch a light at this time of the year because people don't check them. I've been pulling bird's nest out of my tractor and also my truck um, every day. It's incredible how I'll be in here and I'll go out there and they'll be, they'll, they'll be in there. They would have, you know, especially if you leave it outside, once you put it away, um, you're, you're pretty right. But boy, oh boy, they can catch a light. But some of the newer tractors, they're designed in a way that um, they have the exhaust pipe up, up out of the way. So it's not so likely, but boy, that yeah, a few tractors have been lost. Quite a few. They normally you lose one or two tractors in New Zealand from that type of thing. Birds nest getting in there, but the lovely little swallow, they just do this lovely nest, and they'll keep coming back every year. And they are one bird, the, the barn swallow. I quite like them. I've I used to, I used to enjoy having them in, and they got used to me after a few seasons. But first they try and dive bomb you, you know, and sort of keep you away. But they used to work in my workshop, and I used to let them come in. And they don't sort of poop all over the place. They just go in the same old spot. And they're beautiful, elegant flyers, aren't they, the swallow? And they're very good, actually. The, um, the, there's a field swallow, and you can make these little boxes for them. And you have them in your farm all, like, all over the place. And they eat, I think it's ticks. Yeah, they, they eat on the, wing, on, the, you know, on, the, on the wing, I think they call it, where they actually, yeah, they're, while they're flying, they can catch these things. And, and um, so they're good. They keep the ticks down. And there's a guy called Greg Judy. He is um, he's on YouTube. He's quite a clever farmer actually. And he that's where I got the idea. And then just on Saturday, I was at a local market in um, in town, and uh, was a guy for about twenty dollars was making these little bird boxes, and they'd be ideal for swallows. And I think there's I'm not sure if there's a difference between a barn swallow and a, a sort of a, a field swallow or a bush swallow. Ones that are out in the field. I'm not sure. Probably, I would have thought they'd all be the same. But uh, there you go. 25 past six here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards, here till seven o'clock. And uh, so these are, we're just looking at the top stories. So the Queensgate Qu- Gate Shopping Centre, they admit the responsibility for the sticky gel on the roof that's been killing birds, a whole heap of swallows. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't have them coming in, but I mean, there must be a better way. Um, Queensgate Shopping Centre, they have confirmed that they were putting sticky gel that killed a number of birds. And of course, the SPCA were all up in arms. Gosh, what a bunch of half-wits. 17 swallows were found uh, uh, found coated in a glue-like substance near the city's Queensgate Shopping Centre in Lower Hutt. That's not far from Upper Hut. <laughs> All of the birds found with the substance last week uh, and over the weekend have died. Mm. In a statement, Queen's 
Gate apologise for any distress or harm that the situation has caused. Blah, blah, blah. And the SPCA, they have gotten in on the act. SPCA said that it was aware of the situation. They're investigating, and uh, but we're unable to comment any further. So there you are. A few birds die. But uh, they are quite sweet, and it would be nice if you didn't have to kill them, but sometimes you do. You can't have people, you know, you can't have go to the shopping mall and, you know, you buy yourself a nice, you know, milkshake or something, and the next thing you know, you've got a bird poop in it. That nearly happened to me, actually, when I was on the Cook Strait Ferry. A seagull just missed, got my arm instead, just missed my, my cup of uh, Milo or something, whatever I was drinking. You know, I better not drink, better not slurp while we're talking. And now we've also got um, a retrial for two accused of Angela Blackmore's murder. That begins today. Um, we could have a quick look at that, shall we? So I'm not sure what that's about. That begins in the High Court. And uh, who have we got there? We have um, two people have been accused of the murder of the Christchurch woman. She was. This was 28 years ago. So uh, David Peter Hawken and Rebecca Wright Meldrum, they're on trial. They're on trial earlier this year, but proceedings had to be aborted. It's a nasty word, isn't it? For the second time this year, David Peter Hawken and Rebecca Wright Meldrum took their place in the High Court dock. Both are charged with the murder of, or the, for their part in the killing of 21-year-old who was nine weeks pregnant at the time. Gosh, Angela Blackmore sustained a total of 39 wounds to her head. Oh, yeah, and neck and chest, abdomen. Oh, they have to go into all the details. This is according to Prosecutor Mitchell McLennan. Crown prosecutors alleged Hawken tried to take over property co-owned between the victim and her ex-husband. Good grief, so that's how they did it. Boy, the love of money is the root of all evil. Two years ago, Jeremy Powell, whom the Crown claims Hawken hired, was jailed for carrying out the murder. Good grief. He told police that he'd carried out the killing under instruction of Mr. David Hawken, McLennan said. That's the lawyer. Prosecution. Uh, on the night of August 17, 1995, the Crown alleges Wright, Meldrum and Power, Powell, Yes, they visited Blackmore, 29, was she 21 or 29? 21-year-old, and she's pregnant. Oh, gosh, it's a double homicide, but they don't, they don't value the unborn child, these, these demonic people. Just wicked. And um, so then what happened? So they're calling for witnesses now. So that's just kicked off. That would be yesterday that would have kicked off. And so we're still here, and we've got, um, what else have we got? Seymour says, logical probability of act sitting on cross benches really oh that's what Simon Bridges was talking about they might be better to do that David Seymour has not ruled out act sitting on the parliament's cross benches instead of entering a coalition with National and New Zealand First the official election results were released on Friday showing National and Act would need New Zealand First to govern the three parties are currently undergoing coalition negotiations but speaking to News Hub Nation on Saturday the Act party leader David Seymour has not taken a confidence only type arrangement off the cards. Wow. This, he said this is still a logically possible. Uh, we reserve the right to present our voters or represent our voters and to do what we see as being the best thing for New Zealand. And we have a number of different ways of fitting it together. That's what he told Simon Shepherd. He said our strong preference is a stable, united government with national and the people are asking us to form one with New Zealand first, so that hasn't changed at all. It remains just a, as relevant as ever. But Seymour previously flouted the idea of resorting to a confidence-only deal 
back in August. It would mean while ACT would be supporting and forming of a government, National and New Zealand First would have to seek ACT's backing for all government spending or supply decisions on a case-by-case basis. Seymour made the comment after National ruled out some of ACT's policies, including repeal of the Zero Carbon Act. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. Oh, you just sit on the benches then. And the, um, oh, hang on. No, 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 no. ACT wants to repeal it. And the proposal for a referendum on the Treaty of Waitangi, because uh, Luxon says that would be divisive. He doesn't want to do that. At the time, Luxon said this type of, uh, this type of agreement was not going to happen, and Seymour was bluffing. Ooh, we'll have to watch and see. News Hub Nation, 9.30am Saturday and 10am on Sunday, and uh, you can have a look at that. They've also got it over on Facebook and X as well, which is the old Twitter, isn't it? So that is um, that is it, I think. Issues revealed 40% of nurses are from overseas. Oh, that's an old story by Patty Gower there. We've got all these imported nurses. A new report claims it's now possible for median income first-home buyers to save a deposit without help. <laughs> uh, it'd be pretty hard. You'd need help from mum and dad, wouldn't you, to get, into, get onto the house roundabout. It's spinning so fast, isn't it? Okay, well look, when I come back, I'll be back in a minute and we'll have a look at um, stuff and see what's going on there. We're working our way through 29 minutes to 7. Uh, Are you guys flat earthers? Is anyone here a flat earther? I'm beginning to think maybe the earth is flat. I know. I physically held a key that opened every single door in the facility. I had complete access to every compartment they manufactured. What are you blowing the whistle on? That there are technologies at the South Pole Station that people can't even consider that exist on this planet. Directed energy weapon systems is something that people need to get into their vocabulary fast. The Ice Cube Neutrino Detector is not simply a passive listening device as presented for the science that they're claiming it to do. It also has the capacity to train Transmit. There are embedded in the ice what are called digital optical modules, DOMs. They're about the size of a basketball. The array embedded in the ice is one kilometer by one kilometer by one kilometer. It is the world's largest telescope. And now because we have proven that it can transmit, it's the world's largest directed energy weapon system. It is responsible for the earthquakes in Christchurch, New Zealand. Oh, really? Okay, Uh, so we're over on stuff now, and uh, we're looking at the front page there. Lower speeds could save Auckland $10 million, according to a study. Safer and slower roads pay off, according to New Zealand study. But Auckland Transport is cautious about the dollars. Well, I don't think so. If you're a businessman, you don't want 30 kilometres an hour when you've... You know, you're trying to get your stuff there. It just costs more. You're using fuel and time. Time is money, you know. It's not good at all. So, no, I don't think that'll be a good idea. And this, they're talking about the sticky substance that killed those um, lovely birds, swallows. Linwood Mosque, $20 million rebuild hit delays, but it's still happening apparently. This has just come out. The pandemic and the asbestos, the pandemic, and the asbestos contamination that caused delays to the rebuild. But the demolition company has finally been confirmed this week. So they're going to pull that thing down where the, um, where, what's his name, Tarrant did his... Um, his work and they say there was there was other other gunmen there as well which is probably why they broke into um the counterspin crew's house to find out what they were working on new milk fridge tech could see dairy farmers cut costs and carbon many farms most powerful greenhouse ga- oh greenhouse gas it's all just rubbish from milking chilling machines oh okay not the cow yeah that would be right but who cares it's all fine you find you just don't don't go down that track don't don't believe that rubbish 
that's just it's not even science really it's just nonsense it's all it's all about the reason why they all this carbon stuff you know and and, and um, you having to pay for emissions that's going to pay for the antichrist world government they, they need money where's it going to come from well it's going to come from every country where they they sell them this idea of um, global uh, climate change which is an absolute nonsense I don't think you know, YouTube will cut me off for saying that they might you never know do you well one day they can do that whatever they like it's, just, it's all been about you know the Jovid you know and the jabs and saying anything naughty about that that's what I've got into trouble for misinformation they call it uh, now people are warming to Auckland transport but it can't but it can, but can it last? Why would that be? Oh, this is an analysis. A minefield of issues pose a risk to Auckland Transport's improved public rating. No, I would. I, I don't like going on buses. You, don't, you never know you're going to meet some halfwit on the bus. Uh, you got severe thunderstorms are happening in central North Island. Uh, better tell you about that, I suppose. Why doesn't this come up in the in the? Um, well, it's just a short forecast, I suppose. We don't, they don't sort of say much about it. Severe thunderstorms are on the way for the central parts of the North Island, with Met Service issuing warnings for the Bay of Plenty and Waikato regions. Scattered thunderstorms have already developed over the northern half of central North Island on Monday. Northern half? <laughs> no, I, I think I made up a bit of that. For the central North Island, to, uh, it was on Monday afternoon. When was this written? That was yesterday. Oh, so that's probably happening now. Met Service has also issued severe thunderstorms. Oh, we did talk about thunderstorms. No, that's a nothing one. We won't worry about that. Uh, a man's cancer, unsurvivable now. He um, it took him apparently a huge delay getting an MRI. And uh, so an urgent request for an MRI scan for a Southland man that should have been done within 31 days took 20 weeks and his cancer is now unsurvivable. According to the um, Regional Health in Southland, the Southern Regional Health, they've got a Maori name there but I refuse to say it, has accepted the findings from the Deputy Health and Disability Commissioner Dr Vanessa Caldwell that was released yesterday that the delay spanning late 2021 to early 2022 represented an unacceptable seismic failure. That was at the heart of the pandemic wasn't it? Its chief medical officer David Gow said changes had since been made and would reduce the chances of a future failures. Yeah, it's not it's too late for this poor chap. These involved an additional MRI scan installed, a scanner rather installed in Dunedin Hospital and an update of referrals management policy. So a well as well investigations were underway into the digital solution to improve tracking of cancer patients their progress through their diagnosis, treatment and surveillance, according to the Deputy Health and Disability Commissioner, Dr Vanessa Caldwell. She looks um, sort of like um, startled in that photograph. Uh, so there we are. The patient said that, that delay meant further spread of cancer through my spine and organs, resulting in this current situation whereby the cancer is now not survivable. Hmm. Well, if you, if you um, listen to Steve Kirsch, he thinks that childhood vaccines are the the problem. He says the data shows that vaccines are ruining the health of Americans and uh, driving the epidemic of neurological conditions, uh, according to Steve Kirsch. And so if it's happening in America, where they're heavily vaccinated with their children, kids and, you know, uh, he, he's going to be happening in Canada, Australia and New Zealand as well, isn't it? So I'd avoid, um, oh, better be careful now. I'd avoid any medical procedures that you give to your children, including that vitamin K. Wouldn't give them that either because it's not really a true vitamin. Anyway, according to Steve Kirsch, I think he had about 10,000 people took part in a survey and out of that uh, a thousand had never had no psychological issues, neurological disorders or and these and I'll tell you what the common denominator is, they hadn't didn't have any allergies. 
uh, no um, sort of um, mental issues, nothing like that, and no chronic diseases out of the 1,000. And the, one, the, the peculiar thing is that 1,000 never gave their, child, their children any childhood starting with Vs. None of them. No, no little procedures with a needle and hypodermic needle for the kiddies. They didn't. And also the mother had never had any as, as well. And we're talking about the V, the, you know, the big V. Sounds like Jack Scenes. Jack, Jack Scenes, but it starts with a V. I think we get away with that. Might not get uh, swiped off YouTube for putting it that way. So no medical procedures for your little ones. And th- none of them had anything wrong with them. So there you go. So there we are, the proofs in the pudding. And the CDC, and here in New Zealand, the MetSafe or whoever they are, uh, whoever is the authority, they won't do this study. They won't do it because they know the answer is it's sorcery. And that's what the Bible says it is, pharmakia. That's where we get the word pharmacy from. It's translated sorceries. And, you know, God knows, you know, boy, when he says something in that book, you say, oh, God didn't write the book. Well, no, but, I mean, I don't, didn't used to write my letters either. I used to dictate them, and my secretary used to write my letters for me because I couldn't go with two finger typing on the on the computer. I got someone else to do it for me. I just talk it. I just talk it into a little dictaphone. That's what I used to have back in the day when I was doing that sort of thing. But anyway, um, so yeah, so God God did did actually He authored it. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for and and what I like I like this bit for for instruction in righteousness, how to live righteously. That's what the Bible says. I didn't write it. It says, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly, not thoroughly, thoroughly furnished. The new versions say th- thoroughly, but thoroughly. You know, it's like every door in the house. Just imagine your body's like a, a home, like a temple, and there's all these doors. Just in every room inside that temple, it's thoroughly furnished, it says. So, and then King David used to say, how can a young man, it's actually God speaking through him, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it hitherto according to thy word. And he used to just meditate on that book day and night, King David. And he was the, he was the greatest king and he was loved more than any man, the Bible tells us. And you think, oh, oh I don't know if that's true. And do you know, he, he never sinned against God. Oh, I can hear you all. I can, I can hear it. Oh, yes, he did. What about, what about um, Bathsheba? What about Uriah the Hittite? Well, it says actually that David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of his life, save the matter of Uriah the Hittite. When he took a hit out on Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, because he'd had an affair with her, got her up the duff, and then he tried to cover it up, and he couldn't cover it up, because Uriah was such an incredible general that he wouldn't, um, or I don't know if he was a general, but he was a, a, a high-ranking you know, high officer. He slept at the foot of King David's door rather than go back to his wife because he knew the law that you weren't, when you were about to go into battle, you weren't allowed to go home with your wife, weakens you. You needed all the strength to fight the Philistines, which were in the Gazan area. And the Philistines aren't the same people as the Arabs that are there today. Okay. So just because it starts with a P and an H doesn't mean to say that it's the same. Well, Palestine starts with a P and an A. Anyway, so they're not the same people. But anyway, so then what did he do? Well, he couldn't get rid of him, so he actually instructed his generals to take poor old Uriah the Hittite, an incredible warrior, took him into battle against the Philistines, and then he instructed them to draw back from him so that he would be killed by the enemy. So God was very angry with him, and he sent Samuel. I think it was Samuel came to him and said, there was a man 
And uh, he said, I've got, I've got something I've got to tell you, David. So he said, come in, come in, come and sit down. He said, there is a man who um, he had one lamb, just one little lamb. That's all he had, and he loved that lamb. And then there was another man, a rich man. And the rich man had thousands of lambs, and he and he and he, a friend came, a man coming from from sort of uh, out of out of town came to town, and the rich man said, "Oh, I'll prepare a lamb, and uh, and and serve it for my guest." But instead of taking one from his own flock, where he had millions of, you know, not thousands rather, you know, like tens, maybe tens of thousands of sheep, he took it from another man just this this man only had one lamb he took that lamb and he killed it and he offered it to his friend as a gift and then he's and then he asked the king i think it was samuel he said what should we do what should what would be the answer oh my oh king and king david said that man should die and samuel said that man is you because he took Uriah's wife and that is adultery to take another man's wife you can have as many wives as you like but you must never take another man's wife 17 minutes to 7 you turned down uh, a 9 million dollar movie role in 2021 because you wouldn't take uh, the COVID vaccine it was being mandated in Hollywood at the time any regrets? There's a lot of money not at all, not one regret you know my thought when I heard that story? You must be even richer than I think you are. <laughs> I mean, everybody can use $9 million. I don't care how rich they think they are. Mm. You know, everybody can use that money. I could have used that money. My family could have used that money. But I felt like, you know, your health is worth more than all the money in the world. Because if you had all the money in the world and you wasn't healthy, you would use that money to get healthy. To me, it was an experimental drug. They had no time to really see the long-term effects. It's kind of like the war machine. You know, if, if you make the bullets and the band-aids, you're going to always want to be in war because it's profitable. Yes, that's true. I'll probably get struck off for that, struck off YouTube. <laughs> uh, well, uh, there we go. And um, so, yes, and, you know, the people say, oh, you know, divorce, you know, be right. So when, when men, you know, when a Christian man, he wants to marry a woman, what does he get? Does he get a virgin today? No, doesn't he get so a born-again virgin? <laughs> She's been a bike for, you know, however long, and then apparently she, he's supposed to go with her. So what is, when is it, when, if you marry someone, what is marriage? Is it a, is it a certificate? Or is it when you sleep with a woman, when a man and a woman are joined together? What is holy matrimony? Is it is it the ceremony, or is it when you actually are joined together and consummate the marriage? So that would mean that all these people that have gone out, these women that have gone out and had sex, that means that they're no longer virgins when they get married. That means that the man that you have as your husband on your wedding night, if you have, if you're not a virgin, then he's committing adultery. And you, you are as well. You're committing, and we know this because Jesus said that a woman is bound to her husband so long as he liveth. And the Bible tells us that when you join yourself together with a woman, even if it's a, a harlot, you become one with them. And that's a marriage when the two become one. And so... It says, a woman is bound to her husband so long as he liveth. It doesn't say a man is bound to his wife so long as she liveth. It's the other, no, it doesn't. You might think, oh, God, that's not fair, is it? So all these women out there that have been married before, Christian women that have been married before, and then they go and divorce their husbands, 80% of women 
are the ones that instigate divorce. 80% of divorces are women instigated because they think the grass is greener. And so Christian women that do that, they're committing adultery. In fact, even if they're not virgins when they get married, they're adulterers. That's what the Bible says. Don't get angry at me. I'm just telling you what it says. And you say you can you can you can you can get the the pastor to to tickle your ears all you like, love. But the thing is, if you've been with a man before you get married, you've, you're already married, and you've got to wait until your husband is divorced. So, uh, sorry, you've got to wait until your husband is dead before you can marry someone else. That's probably why in the old days they knew those scriptures. In the old days, they'd kill off the kill off the old man, wouldn't they? Because they'd rather be known as a widow than a divorcee because that was a massive stigma wasn't it yes 14 minutes to 7 I'll be back in a minute with more news we've got some fresh fresh news that's just come in about Christopher Luxon not Christopher Luxon Chris Chris Hipkins what's going to happen to him well I'll tell you shortly and this is why we keep going back to responsibility the responsibility of having that child without the authority over it it's not a fair deal for men it's the same thing with women having the responsibility of looking after a woman but not any authority over her, that it's not, it's not a fair deal. And so my question is, can we really blame the men for not wanting to date single mothers? Can we really blame the men for not wanting to date older women and all the problems that come with it? I personally think no. And I think we should really warn younger women that if you get pregnant, you've really made your bed and your chance of having a successful relationship after being a single mother it is low. That's right. one, men aren't going to want to date you. And even if they do, it comes with these type of problems. Absolutely. Yes, it does. That's Pearl. You can find her over at um, YouTube. I think she's on YouTube. Does She's very clever. Very, very uh, intelligent young woman. Okay, we're back on you. Uh, no, we're not on YouTube. We're back to RNZ. Why am I back there? I haven't even moved away from there. I'm, I'm not going back there. We'll go to stuff. And we were reading all about... Um, this poor chap that didn't get his scan. A man accused of kidnapping the neighbours and holding him in a kennel. <laughs> oh, good grief. The man accused of kidnapping a neighbour who's found near his cannabis plot. He found him. He's holding him hostage. He was at gunpoint in a dog kennel. has gone on trial. 47-year-old man has been had name suppression. <laughs> I don't know why they give them that. He appeared in the Christchurch District Court yesterday on three charges of kidnapping, discharging a firearm with reckless disregard and possession of cannabis for sale. He had already pleaded guilty to cultivating cannabis. Prosecutor Patrick Brand outlined the Crown's uh, case to Judge Paul Keller alleging that the young man was kidnapped after the defendant found him walking on the boundary near two of his cannabis plots by Okuku River in northern Canterbury on April the 13th, 2022. It was a bad day that day. Would that be a Friday? I don't know. The Crown alleges that while the man was walking on the riverbank, the defendant, who was dressed in camouflage clothing in a black mask, jumped out at him, pointed a rifle at his direction and told him to lie on the ground. Brand said the defendant then accused his neighbour of trying to steal his cannabis because some of the crop had been taken. At around the same time, the defendant heard a, a quad bike that another neighbour and his grandson were using to go hunting. The Crown alleges he fired a rifle at the quad bike but did not hit it. Good grief, the man's a halfwit. The pair assumed the gunshot was from another hunter in the area. The Crown alleges the defendant then made the young man empty his pockets by the riverbed, including his phone. He then made him walk to his property 
and follow uh, him. They followed him holding the rifle, good grief, like a prisoner. According to the Crown, the terrified young man urinated in his pants. Oh, I would too, you'd piss yourself, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's a Bible word, piss. <laughs> uh, yeah, I use Bible words from time to time. Uh, when they got to the defendant's property, the young man told him and his partner the passcode to his phone. The defendant had uh, told his partner to go through the man's phone and told the victim an an associate was coming around and would give him the bash. Give you the bash, eh, bro? Yeah. I bet you they were Maori. (laughs) I bet you they were. Guarantee it, give him the bash. That's Maori talk. Anyway, so the Crown says that the victim was then told to get in the dog kennel. Yuck. If you lie down with fleas, you... Lie down with the dogs, you get up with the fleas. Um, he got in the dog kennel. The defendant locked the door, leaving him on all fours <laughs> for approximately 15 minutes. It is alleged. <laughs> I hope you left him some water to lap. Uh, the defendant said to his partner that if he tried to escape, he should hit him. That's what she said. Hit him with a hammer. Gosh, this is unreal. Um, an associate of the defendant, associate, that'll be a gang associate and guarantee it. Uh, arrived, uh, let the victim out of the dog kennel and moved him to a nearby sleepout. The associate left and returned with the defendant and they let them out. He then ran back to his home, says the Crown, the defendant's lawyer. So he let him go, did he? Ran back to him. This, the defendant's lawyer is Chris Longy. He told the jury to guard against first impressions. First impressions can be misleading. Longy said that the jury would have to establish if the defendant had discharged a firearm at the two men on the quad bike and they would have to ask if he used force in defending himself. Others of his problem... What is nonsense? Uh, was when the victim took the stand, he told the prosecutor, John Whitcomb, he thought the defendant was going to kill him. I bet you he, I bet you he did. Would have given him a real shock. I'm just a photograph here. It looks, it looks pretty terrible sort of a place. You know, you end up getting... Buried. Mm. This is Okuku Riverbed, very popular with hunters and recreational users. The victim said the defendant then told him to get on the ground, to which his partner said, Don't do it here. Oh no, it'll make a big mess. Oh yuck. So they were going to kill him. So how did he get away? The victim said the day before the incident, the partner of his girlfriend's sister told him that he had taken some cannabis from the plot and sent him, or gave him a map and sent him uh, into the area using his phone, I suppose. However, the victim says that he wasn't interested in the drug and the only reason why he was walking in the area on that day of the incident was because he was looking for a four-wheel drive track to go off-roading. But the defendant didn't believe him. He said the defendant was paranoid and kept well, on marijuana, it makes you paranoid, <laughs> doesn't it? Oh, wow. The victim was released and he promised the defendant that he would find where the missing cannabis plants were and return them and so obviously the cops got involved, put a stop to that. Gosh, there's a lot of nonsense going on, isn't it? And also another other national news, a woman killed the father, 88, in arson to get inheritance crown claims. That's in the courts. Lots of nasty stuff going on in New Zealand, isn't there? She looks a hard old bat. Look at her. Got the turned down mouth. Anyway, so her name is Lynn Marie Martin. She's on trial, accused of killing her, her father. How could you do that to your own parents? A woman's on trial here, it says. Uh, father, ten years. This happened ten years ago. The trial of Lynn Marie Anderson. She's sixty-three, so it was back when she was fifty. Begins in the High Court in Gisborne. That was yesterday. That started. The Crown case uh, said that Martin started the fire that killed her eighty-eight-year-old father, Ronald 
Russell Allison, known as Russell, in his remote farm 30 kilometres north of Gisborne, northwest of Gisborne actually, in the early hours of January 25th, 2013. So they actually got her, eh? Got her on trial, which it's suspected. Oh, he looks, I don't know, maybe his name's Ronald Arthur Allison. He died up in a suspicious fire at his house near Tikaraka. Um, that was back then, 2013. And uh, so it looks as though... Oh, I'd hate. I'd hate to be a judge. I'd hate to be sitting there. I'd hate to be a lawyer, actually, having to defend people you know are guilty. Um, so, a combination of CCTV video and cell phone tower polling records showed that Martin actually drove to Apodiki. Martin would later admit driving this route and lying to Graham, whoever Graham is. I missed out a big gap. Graham Martin uh, about being in Auckland. She would also admit. Uh, she had been drunk but that doesn't mean you're stupid you know what you're doing just because you're drunk that's not an excuse and so there's the house there gosh there's all sorts of general so what what else what's going to happen the court had to repay an $11,000 debt so it's just over just minutes silly bits of money you know 150 grand here Martin was made bankrupt in, on October in 2010. Yeah, so there you go. Ah, oh, it's just horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. People, wickedness. People do terrible things to one another. Don't they realize that God is watching them? He's watching everything you do. He even knows your thoughts. Even your thoughts. Um, yeah, anyway. So that is uh, that. Accused arranged the murder with a $10,000 promise according to this is now what murder is this that's someone that I've seen that picture before or Angela Blackmore yeah we talked about that bludgeoned and stabbed oh I don't want to read any more of that um what else have we got Green's party um cousin denies lying about the gun after the grandmother shot in the face oh yeah that's that other one that happened I think it was in Mangary wasn't it they've got some islanders there they shot the mother she looked quite sweet That this is um Fisi Hui, she was shot at her home after hearing a noise and going to the window to investigate. Um, and the husband was just lying in bed, apparently asleep, and so was the son, I think, when someone, someone came in and killed her. We'll find out what that's all about, I suppose, but that'll be a while. I'd say that'll be a week or two before we know what the story is there. It was a sawn-off shotgun wrapped in a towel. Came into the house, shot her at point-blank range. Gosh, that would have made a mess. Gosh, how terrible waking up, find your wife with the head blown off or something like that just awful um yeah and uh, they've also got that news here with alan um ian foster uh that's the rugby coach outgoing rugby coach his um family reportedly confronted by a knife wielding man at the rugby world cup in paris that'll be a muslim terrorist one from one of the cell groups of course of course it will who who else does such a thing and um there you are, severe thunderstorms, grand, what else have we got? No, that's it. No, I'm just wasting my time here, aren't I? So we go over and have a look and see what's happening in Australia. Let's do that. Apparently, there's, um, Nancy Pelosi served a subpoena uh, in a disclosed criminal investigation. This is reading from skynews.com.au. Anthony Albanese meets the Xi Jinping for a landmark summit in Beijing. Didn't we read about that yesterday? Nothing's changed. I've refreshed. And uh, what else have we got? Joe Biden received $40,000 from Little Brother in laundered China money, apparently. And in the markets, Australia is likely to suffer on the Melbourne Cup Day with predicted rate rises. We're talking about, um, that's their, what do they call it, the RPN or something. So they've got some, they, and they want it to go up, I think. They want this thing to go up. Relationship with China is starting to stabilise, according to Andrew Clennell. 
and Labour protecting their friends at the ABC with push to regulate smart devices. That's on. That's in politics. Utter frauds, apparently. The Greens accused of supporting Hamas following a Senate walkout. Well, the Greens here in New Zealand are doing the same, aren't they? Supporting Hamas, supporting them, supporting the Muslim terrorists. And they'd be the ones, you know, that they imported all these Muslims coming in from all over the show. The, the uh, co-chief executive officer of the Executive Council of Australian Jewry, that's Jews, has slammed the Greens as utter frauds after they walked out of the Senate while holding up a picture of a Palestinian flag, a so-called Palestinian, just an Arab flag. It's just the Palestine Liberation Organisation, the PLO, and then they changed it to the PLO, PLA. And it's Yasser Arafat. He was an absolute killer, a killer, filthy, disgraceful man. And his uncle, uh, Husseini, him and Hitler had a deal. There was a meeting that Hitler had with uh, Yasser Arafat's uncle. He was the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem at the time during the Second World War. And um, this is before Allenby went in there and sorted them all out. And that in that meeting, Adolf Hitler said to Husseini, he said, I want you to understand that this is a war, of, not a war of boundaries. This is a war of the annihilation of the Jewish people. And uh, so, so that we know. So they're anti-Semites, these people, even though the Palestinians, so-called the Arabs, are um, Semitic themselves. They're from they're the descendants of Shem. As as everyone is actually um, that are they've got a bit of brown skin in them. They all come from the, the three Noahs. All of us come from the three sons of Noah. The Japhethites headed north. They are the Europeans. You know they came they came down into the UK. They were up. You know the Vikings came in from the north, and so we're all from we they we descend from Shem. The Ham the 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 black Africans. You know pretty black anyway. Pretty dark chocolate, and they uh, come from Ham. All the descendants of Ham, and then you've got the Shemites. That's the uh, the Jews, the you know the all the the Arab nations, the Indonesians, the Maoris, the Pacific Islanders, all of those, the Indians, the whole lot, all Asia. That is, all, they're all descendants of Shem. So to say, you know, anti-Semitic. But what it means now, because context, so not context, um, idiom dictates grammar. And so when you refer to an anti-Semitic person, it's not an it's not we're not referring to Arabs even though they call themselves Semitic. Uh, and that is true in a way, but, but um, the um, idiom dictates the grammar. So when we say that, we are referring to Jews, hatred of the Jews, and all this nonsense about you know people saying, oh, I don't like, um, it's Israel. I'm, I'm, it's not that I don't like Jews, but it comes out in them. It comes out in the speech. People like Patrick Henningsen, he just hates, he's on now actually, um, at TNT Radio Live, and he just hates the Jews. He, and he says it's Israel, and it's, uh, but it's not really. It's actually a, a deep-rooted spiritual hatred towards God and God's people because the Bible says they are God's chosen people. They are a special nation. And um, and so and that that just makes the devil angry, and of course it makes people. And the Bible says, if you're not a Bible believing Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, you are actually a you're you're a child of disobedience, and that's why there's so much anti-Semitism in in the world today. All Christians should be pro-Israel. All of you should be. If you believe the Bible, you should be pro-Israel because they are the armies of God. They are. And they will in- inhabit that land properly, all of it, from way up in the way north, way beyond what they've got, 
all the way down to almost south and North Africa, and from the River Euphrates all the way to the sea, to the Mediterranean Sea. That belongs to the Israelis. We've got TNT Radio News at 7. Thank you very much for being with me, and um, I will be giving you the weather straight after this news bulletin from TNT Radio. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Former President Donald Trump was warned to control himself on the stand as he slammed prosecutors and Democrats as haters and claimed the judge always rules against him in a fiery start to his testimony in his $250 million New York fraud trial. Judge Arthur Engeron admonished the former president multiple times for not answering questions from prosecutor Kevin Wallace as tensions flared almost immediately after he was sworn in as a witness on Monday morning. Trump is accused of inflating his assets and property values by billions in a lawsuit that could sink his business empire in the Big Apple. He spoke to reporters before entering the courtroom. But usually it takes place in third world countries and banana republics. Nobody's ever seen that to this extent. We've never seen it here. The United States on Sunday dispatched a guided missile submarine to the Middle East in the wake of escalating tensions arising from the ongoing conflict between Israeli forces and the Hamas terrorist group. U.S. Central Command stated on X that an Ohio-class submarine had entered its area of responsibility on November 5th. It did not specify the location, but a photo of the submarine suggests it was in the Suez Canal. The type of submarine was not specified. According to Submarine Force Pacific, the Ohio-class submarines are the largest fleet in the U.S. Navy and can carry Tomahawk cruise missiles or ballistic missiles. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has warned pro-Palestine protesters against demonstrating on Armistice Day as thousands of activists prepare to descend on the capital. Demonstrators look set to take to the streets of London on November 11th amid growing calls for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. The Prime Minister, who will lay a wreath at the Cenotaph on Remembrance Sunday next weekend, labeled the potential protests as both provocative and disrespectful. GB News commentator Nigel Farage saying queers for Palestine ought to understand uh, that in Gaza, homosexuality between men is illegal, punishable by 10 years in prison, and many accounts that Hamas actually torture those they believe to be homosexual. But this shows the absolute mess that the so-called progressive left have got into. Many on the left appear to be supporting an ideology that is not very far away from that that emerged in Germany in the early 1930s. U.S. President Joe Biden has refused to call for a ceasefire in the Israeli-Hamas conflict, instead proposing a temporary humanitarian pause. Biden was speaking to an audience of some 200 people when a woman who later identified herself as Rabbi Jessica Rosenberg stood up and called for a ceasefire. Mr. Video of the incident was shared by the Jewish Voice for Peace account on X, claiming that Rosenberg was speaking on behalf of thousands of Jewish Americans who refused to allow a genocide to be carried out in their name. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen describes it as a telling exchange. Now, this exchange is very telling here between a member of the audience and President Joe Biden recently at this event in Washington. Here you have a Jewish American, not only that, a rabbi, a religious person calling for a ceasefire, calling for a humanitarian pause, calling for an end to the violence and how this is met with the hostility in the media and from the political class in Washington is very interesting because these are the voices that are routinely suppressed. 
West, including in Israel itself. A number of Orthodox rabbis oppose Zionist expansion, oppose settlement expansion, and oppose the genocide which is currently being carried out by the Israeli occupation forces and Benjamin Netanyahu. But what's worse about this is it's with the full support of the United States. They're paying for it. They're literally supplying the bombs and at the same time suppressing Jewish voices for peace. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. I will never forgive Jacinda Ardern for her management of COVID, and in particular, the COVID vaccine mandate. Oh, I better not play that. Otherwise, we'll be, we'll be banned on YouTube. We'll do this one. <laughs> Everyone says marriage should be 50-50. It's the biggest crock of bullshit I've ever heard. It's never 50-50. Yeah. Ever. And so what we do is we quantify where we are. So if Steve comes home and he'll be like, I got 20. Just in terms of energy. Just energy, investment, kindness, patience. I'm at a 20. And I'll be like, I'll cover you. I got you, brother. Like, I'll pull the 80. Sometimes we come home, which we have done a lot. My mom has been sick. And I'll say, I've got 10. And Steve, like two days ago, said, I'm riding a solid 25. So we know that we have to sit down at the table anytime we have less than 100 combined and figure out a plan of kindness toward each other. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because the thing is, marriage is not something that's 50-50. A partnership works when you can carry their 20 or they can carry your 20. And that when you both just have 20, you have a plan where you don't hurt each other. Sounds like a good idea. uh, Seven minutes past six here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast. That's my lot. Before I go to the weather, I just wanted to to uh, just tell you about this one. We're over in Australia here and we're looking at skynews.com.au and it says here, David Chrysalifili, Chrysalifili, yeah, well, it's an interesting name, isn't it? Urgent plea to the Queensland government to solve youth crime crisis. Queensland's leader of opposition, David Chrysalifili, he says... Uh, he's urged the government to pay attention to victims of youth crime after the Labour leader failed to have any representation to an anti-crime rally. They've got the same trouble all over the world, isn't it? It's the same old thing. And you know what I think? I think some somebody's putting up, putting these gangs up to it. I reckon they're being paid. I think that we've got youth gang affiliates uh, that are doing it here in New Zealand, happening in Australia, happening all over the Western world. And it's been happening since the um, the, the Jovid, uh, isn't it? Since 2021, round about then. That's when it all started, all this youth crime. And I, I, I believe that someone's paying them. Those organisations are paying these people. They're, um, it's too well organised and it's, uh, it's just too, it, you know, the odds are, you know, that, you know, why would every country in the world have the same problem, this rise since then, since the Jovid? The Jovid starts with a J, starts with a C, um, but we'll just say Jovid. Otherwise, we'll be we'll, we'll be banned on. Oh, I don't know. Who cares? Maybe I should just say it. No, I won't say it because then I'll lose my account. Okay, because I'm I'm on three strikes and you're out, and I'm already up to two. Okay, let's go over to weather, and then that's my lot for the day. And we're looking at the extremes. This is the latest forecast. <clears throat> oh, oh gosh, I got my fingers mixed up around the other way, and I'm coughing while I'm on here. Sorry about that, folks. Had this frog I had to get rid of. Okay, let's look at the extremes. First of all, gosh, that was unprofessional. Here we go. Auckland, they've got the highest temperature, 13.1 degrees. Ashburton's on 2.3. It's the lowest. 
It's windy. It's, it's picked up even more in Lyle Bay and Wellington, 52 kilometres per hour. Chatham Islands has got a bit of rain, one millimetre falling there. Temperatures right across the country um, sort of range between five. Uh, well, the coldest is Ashburton, but it's sort of quite cold down on the west coast. And also Invercargill's on five degrees. Timaru's the coldest one, I, I suppose, almost there with Ashburton. It's not far away anywhere, is it? Chatham Islands are nice and warm. Uh, Nelson and uh, Westport are on 10. Blenheim's a bit colder. Wellington, they're all sort of double digits apart from Wellington. It's coldest place. Oh, and Kaitaro, Hwangare. It's cold up there. It's actually quite cold where I am too. Here at the moment, 7 degrees outside, looking at my thermometer, uh, looking at the mercury. The short forecast now, and then that's my lot for Northland to Auckland to Coromandel. Mainly fine. However, isolated showers, possibly heavy in the afternoon. Just think, just laugh, thinking about myself coughing, pushing, getting the buttons around the wrong way. Gosh, that's a silly old thing. What a what a crazy thing. Why sort of? Must be, might, have, might have had a stroke, actually, <laughs> sometime in the night. Um, Waikato to Manawatu, including the Bay of Plenty and Central High Country, also for Gisborne and the Hawke's Bay. Scattered showers, more frequent and heavy from this afternoon with thunderstorms. Showers turning to rain. It's going to be heavy about Gisborne and Northern Hawke's Bay in the evening. For Horobanu to Wellington, also for what? For where? Where did you say? Horobanu? Where's that? You mean Horobanua? Oh, do I? No, no, I don't, actually. I mean Horobanua. That's what I mean. You can say Horofanu if you like, but not on my show. Uh, anyway, all the, all the way to Wairarapa. Periods of rain or showers easing from afternoon. Marlborough, Nelson and Buller scattered showers, mainly in the afternoon and evening. You've got some heavy, though. Heavy could be heavy and thundery as well in Buller and, North, and West Nelson. Canterbury, a beautiful day for you, fine all day. Westland, Otago and Southland, also Fjordland, fine, apart from isolated showers in the afternoon and evening. For the Chatham Islands, just periods of rain for you. That's my lot. And Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow, at uh, so which is going to be Wednesday, isn't it? Yes, the middle of, middle of the week. Wednesday, I'll see you on Wednesday. And uh, it is uh, seven minutes past seven. So uh, And don't forget to listen to the all-nighter. I go right through the night. I actually do pre-recorded because <laughs> I did do that the other night Monday night couldn't sleep I was at Sunday night couldn't sleep and I ended up um, got, I basically just didn't go to sleep I think I had a bit of a snooze around about 8 o'clock when I, or 7 o'clock or something like that had a bit of a snooze um, but no I can't do that I had a good good sleep last night though I was in bed well before 9 Good old sleep. You've got to have it, especially when you get up. I get up at 3 o'clock every morning, and I absolutely love it. You know, if you want to feel, if, you, if you're having a, feeling a bit down, if you're feeling a little depressed and it's going on for a while, uh, don't go and see a doctor and they'll give you, you know, give you some, would you like some tranquilizers? They don't call them tranquilizers, but basically they'll give you some psychiatric drug. They're going to start doing things like giving you... Um, um, LSD and ecstasy as well, which, you know, well, they call it micro doses of it, but oh, don't touch any of that sorcery. Just um, all you do, get into a habit. Just, you know, do, do some, get up early every morning and do it every day regularly. Force yourself to do it. First of all, it was a bit of a chore for me getting up at three o'clock. I'm up, now I'm up at, you know, quarter to three. Can't wait. And if I wake up at half past one, I don't even bother going back to bed. I just get up and, and just, you know, have a look around, see what's going on in the world and, um, you know, and get ready to um, come and have a chat with you guys. And um, But get into this habit. You know, I wake up in the morning and just routine, having a routine, especially if people need, you know, you know like are counting on you. Those sort of routine is one of the best ways. So instead of lying in bed, or you know, not having a not having a structure to your day. Get into this routine 
of um, planning your day out and um, and follow it. And it kind of sounds boring. And I always thought that was boring. I like to, but since I've been on this routine, um, I've never felt so mentally well. I mean, I've never really suffered from mental health at all, ever. Um, never. I've you know never had thoughts of you know ending it all or anything like that. And many people do. And I think that the vaccines. Uh, whoops, you better not say that. Actually, what I'll do is I'll um, I'll stop YouTube and Facebook, and then I can speak freely. <laughs> Let me just do that now. So goodbye to you people on YouTube and Facebook. Ta-ta, we'll see you again. So right, we've got rid of them. And so now it's just Rumble. And um, and of course, all the people that are on the apps, they don't seem to bother me. So yeah, if you if you don't want to, um, first of all, if you if you want to be healthy and have me- good mental health, don't make sure if you make sure your parents didn't vaccinate you. <laughs> it's too late if you have. But that's what causes a lot of the mental illness is um, childhood vaccines. You get very sick, mental disorders, that sort of thing. But don't go to the doctor and get that pharmaceutical nonsense. It's just absolute sorcery. Just get into some habits. You know, go and. Do some physical stuff. Go to the health shop and get something for it. You know, maybe you need to dose up on some vitamins. You know, B, I think, vitamin B or something like that. And um, and just think positively and become a Christian too. You know, because then you don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's got enough troubles of its own. You just um, you know, that Jesus said that. Don't worry about tomorrow. And you know, just be happy. Just be well. Just be thankful for the clothing you've got on you, for the food that you've got, and for your shelter. Just be thankful and thank the Lord for it every day. And I think that's important too. And knowing that the Bible says that he's going to return, and um, the Bible says, first of all, he comes in the air to meet us, First Thessalonians 4 and First Corinthians 15. It says that he meets us in the air. We get caught up together with those that have passed away before us. They rise first, and then we change. Our bodies change back to probably what they were like what Jesus was like when he was um, risen from the dead and also probably like um, Adam and Eve were before they sinned before they became they lost their mortality their immortality I should say and uh, so will it be like that I don't know whether we probably won't have any blood in us and probably our bodies will be powered by light perhaps I don't know but um, we know that we're going to be different and uh, we know that when we see him we shall know him the Bible says because we will be like him so we will be like him, and we won't need to eat. And you know, when people go on about, oh, the, veg- the vegans go on about, you know, the food in the Garden of Eden. That's why we shouldn't be eating meat. But you know, I don't believe they needed to eat, because they were immortal. And so you don't, and you won't need to eat in heaven. Jesus didn't need to eat, but he ate. Um, this is after the resurrection. He he didn't. You don't need to eat, and that's what it's going to be like. And I think that. Um, so we won't need to make sure that we've got lots of um, protein in our diet to keep us healthy because we've got this um, body which is, you know, just death really, isn't it? As soon as you're born, it's, you're dying and your blood is just, you know, you're just slowly just aging straight away, aren't you? And that's to remind you that, you're, you, know, that you are actually living in a, in a body that we've inherited death from Adam and Eve. We didn't inherit their sin and we know that by reading Ezekiel chapter 18 that the child is not responsible for the father's sins and the father's not responsible for the child's sins. So just read Ezekiel 18. That makes it very clear because a lot of people say, oh, that now that sins come into the world that we have inherited sin, so we're just born sinful. It's absolute nonsense. It's a new version, sort of Gnostic nonsense. And uh, so all the new versions come out with that. You know, if you read uh, where David was uh, apologizing to God for uh, committing adultery with Bathsheba, and uh, it's the only time he displeased the Lord according to 
Um, I think it's in Kings. I must look that up actually so that I can quote it for you so you know that I'm not pulling your leg. But no, babies are born perfect and sinless. And they become sinners uh, as, as they, um, they live through life. They're not responsible for the little naughty things they do, their sins. They're not responsible for that. And some, some believe that it's you know a child around about nine or ten. But I believe God is so long-suffering and so merciful that he actually gives you right up until you're 20. You know, when kids go out there and do stupid things, you know, when they're teenagers, I believe that they will enter into the kingdom of heaven because that was the way it was for the Israelis. All the ones that were under 20, even though they were unbelievers, uh, they they didn't believe that God realized that they were young and stupid and he allowed them to enter in. But anyone over 20, they were not allowed to enter in to the promised land. So there you are. And so I think that is a picture that the the children of Israel there that's a picture for us that we can and I think we find you find that I think it's in Deuteronomy I'll have to look that one up as well so that you know that I'm not pulling an egg and so that just brings brings me so much joy and just makes me realize what a wonderful God we've got that he would realize that young people are you know silly and with foolishness the bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child but the rod of correction will drive it far from them a good wallop around the backside with a switch will sort them out and it's not violence it's chastisement it's biblical parental chastisement which the left want to get rid of because they're all atheists but anyway so that's nice to know that so my brother who was very very worried about his friend when they had a car accident and Stephen was killed and uh, he was very concerned. He was 16 um, that he would not go to heaven. And um, But I believe that he will be there. He will see Stephen in heaven because God is merciful and uh, he's righteous. He always does, does what's right. And, you know, it just doesn't seem right, does it, for a 16-year-old boy to go to hell and uh, when he, he he doesn't really he's not a he's not really a man is he and that's why i believe those verses there just a couple of them which have convinced me over the years because i always thought it was little children it never seemed right to me you know that they would miss out you know and so i'm very um i'm confident that you get right up and so when your kids get over 20 oh boy you know that's when you've really got to start worrying if they're not saved and so you need to pray for them every day Pray for them every day. And if you're not, you know, God's going to say, why aren't you? Why didn't you? Why didn't you pray for them? You know, don't you really believe? You know, do you think this is a joke? Uh, So, no, God is serious and he's angry. The Bible says he's angry with the wicked every day. He's not angry with wickedness. He's not angry at sin. He's angry with the ones that commit sin because there is no sin without sinners. (laughs) People say, oh, God loves the sinner but hates the sin. There's actually no biblical uh, foundation for that statement whatsoever. It's absolute nonsense. It's just, it's just um, weasel words, really. You know, God hates the sinners. He, the Bible says he hates the workers of iniquity. So if you continue to, to sin against God, he actually hates you. But he will forgive you. He hates you because he's given his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, came to earth as a man, laid down his life, for all those that believe. He didn't lay it down for unbelievers. He laid it down that they would repent. That means change their mind. A 180 degree turn and turn back to him, their creator. But most people don't. The Bible says most people are on their way to, the, 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 you know, to hell. 
which is for eternity. Seventh-day Adventists say that's not true. It's only for a little while. That's not right. They, they don't understand plain English. Forever means forever. And then they'll say to you, oh, but, but it says here that Samuel, I think it was Samuel, one of the prophets, he's going to be worshipping before the Lord forever. Well, he's obviously not. Well, how do you know he's not? How do you know right now he's not worshipping the Lord right now every day of his life? The Bible says when you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. If you're an unbeliever, you're not present with the Lord. You are in the grave you know nothing the Bible says the dead know nothing that's why Jesus said let the dead bury the dead because he was talking about people that are spiritually dead let them go off and do the funerals and all that dark stuff but we we live for we are in the light and we are not the children of darkness or the children of disobedience we are the children of almighty God and so we have a responsibility too and we have a responsibility to teach our children all of us, um, don't let your kids go to hell. They're watching you. They're watching us. And uh, so sometimes people say, oh, you know, you, you could be the only Bible someone ever reads just looking at your life. But I don't think that that is an excuse to not speak because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, not by singing or by living a, living a good life. There's Muslims that live a good life. There's Mormons that believe that Jesus and the devil are brothers. They live a good life. That's just a cult. There's Jehovah's Witnesses which believe Jesus is not God. He's another God. They live a good life. They put us to shame. No, the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And that's why we speak. We must be ready at all times to give an answer to the hope that's within us. That's our job. We're all evangelists. We don't just leave it to the other, the, the, the so-called evangelists. Some, some, oh, it's not my gift. Well, you've all got, the Bible says we've all got to be ready. To, and why couldn't you speak about something like that? And if you don't, then you, then you need to learn how to because time is short. We're getting very close to the end and there's people that are on their way to hell and we've got, we've, we've got to do our best to persuade men. The Bible says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. All right. Thank you very much for joining me, and we'll see you again tomorrow, Lord willing. If I if I get there, if I don't, if a tree doesn't fall on me, I, I put boy, I put down a big one yesterday. It would have been twenty meters. Oh, she's a beauty, big totra, and we'll chop that up for firewood. You're allowed to do that, but you're not allowed. You know what? I'm not allowed to put it through the mill, and sell it as um, I have to do it. I make it into firewood. What a waste of beautiful timber. They used to make build boats out of totra years ago. It's very good timber, best of the lot, and the law needs to change. We need to be able to, you know, start um, start to milling that stuff and adding some value to it instead of just chopping it up for firewood. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing.